This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider. That's DJ Spider. right. Welcome to the show. It's episode 70. That's right. We have hit episode 70. We're in mid-March 2021. We are still in the pandemic, but we are not letting it bring us down. We are pumping through week after week, bringing you new episodes of this show. Thank you guys so much for listening and being a part of the community of this show. I get so many dope messages from people literally all over the world. And that's what I want for this podcast. I want it to be a place that we can all connect, um, just like Twitch and stuff. But this podcast really can help us connect on a mental level with DJing, on uh you know, business level, educational, all of this stuff. This is what it's for. So feel free to reach out to me if there's any topics that I can talk about on here that would help you or you want to hear about any guests. Um, I'm on Instagram at DJ Spider, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. Same thing on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DJ Spider. And on Twitter, it's spelled a little bit different, uh, D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R. Hit me up on those platforms. My DMs are open. I love talking to you guys. I get a lot of messages, and I really appreciate it. Another thing that could help out is if you would rate and review us on the Apple App Store uh, and the podcast app. Uh, help us grow and get up those charts. Come on. Help, help us out. We appreciate it. But um, just you listening and just you being uh, supportive is all I need. Thank you. Uh, for real, though. You guys are great. I love you being with me, my beat sorcerers. Um, and also, I got to let you know, this podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. I tell you week after week, the people making the playlist are DJs, okay? It is made by DJs for DJs. So if you're headed to BeatSource or if you're headed to a gig and you want to use BeatSource to play maybe... A genre you do know or you don't, you're not so familiar with, there's going to be playlists that are custom made perfect for DJs to play, whether it's Afro beats, whether it's classic rock, whether it's new hip hop, old hip hop, all types of vibes, years. We've got everything on there. I mean, there's no record pool that's going to have such an insane amount of music. Um, Beat Source Link is an amazing tool as well where you can DJ off of the cloud. And this is the future of the way we are going to be able to DJ and get music as DJs. Um, And I'm not saying it's going to replace your vinyl records or any other thing you use or your own edits, but it's just an amazing tool to use. So go check out BeatSource.com. Hit me if you have any questions. I can put you in touch with the right people. I can even teach you some things. I use it myself all the time, and I absolutely love it. Also, I am on Twitch doing my thing, and a lot of the playlists that I, or the sets I do on there, I transfer over to playlists, and I'll put them on BeatSource, so hit me, and I can send you the link. For example, my Selected Eclectic show I do on Fridays, where I DJ with Mr. Best, and we play all music that we play out of the special events we do. Um, I transfer those playlists, or those songs, into a playlist that you can then use and practice with and figure out your own creative techniques. So I think it's the future. I think it's great. I know some people are hesitant in the sense that, oh, you know, oh, what, what if everyone has the same playlist? How does that, you know, makes everyone sound the same? I don't think so. We all have the same sample packs and we're making crazy music. You can be as creative as you want to be. So challenge yourself. 
Um, all right, moving on. Um, our guest for today. We've got a amazing, great guest. I had so much fun on this episode. So we've got a guest hailing all the way from Down Under, aka Australia, specifically Melbourne. Did I pronounce that good? It's not Melbourne, as we say in the United States. Down there they say Melbourne. I hope I did that good. Melbourne? Me- Melbourne. I hope that's good. I don't know. Sorry, Australians listening right now. I'm trying. Um, that's what's up. Uh, I got taught about all types of words. I mean, now I know what a bogan is. I know about frothing. I know about bogans that are frothing. So you put them together. That's even a thing. Okay. we A lot of Australian slang was taught to me. Um... You know, and also something interesting about our guest is that not only is she in the future time-wise because she's in Australia, but she's in the future COVID-wise. They have basically beat COVID out. COVID. They basically beat COVID out there, and she's working, uh, working DJ now in public uh, around other human beings. So um, I know some places in the United States that's going on, but a lot aren't. So to hear a whole country that has basically beat COVID and DJs are working is inspirational, and you will hear a lot of the stories on this episode. Um, But let me give you some background on her before we get into it. She is a renowned sneaker freak and hip-hop junkie. She's been killing them on the tables, the turntable specifically, for over 20 years. She's one of Australia's premier open format DJs. She kills it with her uh, genre smashing sets, which I think is a good way to put it. Um, I've heard her do some of the dopest, most real hip-hop sets on Twitch to these poppy, you know, 90s sets to everything. I mean, her musical knowledge is nuts, and I can tell it comes from her working in a record store and really caring about music and doing her research and practicing and just being a dedicated DJ. Um, She does some of the most high-profile events and special events, sporting events, um, these massive concerts in Australia. Uh, She's opened for and played alongside probably every artist you've ever heard of. I mean, if you go down this list, there's people ranging from Stevie Wonder to ASAP Ferg and everybody in between. Um, She is the official DJ for R&B Friday Live, the tour. So... Every Friday, she was going around doing these crowds of up to 60,000 people. Um, She'd be doing video DJ sets, playing a Whitney Houston song with everybody singing along. These videos and pictures I saw are amazing, and her stories from it are great. And it's not just her. They'll have legends performing. So Usher, uh, Little John, all types of people will go out there and perform at these concerts. She also does that on the radio. Friday nights, they have R&B Live uh, radio show on a huge station out there. She has toured the world, not just Australia. She's been all over the place, and she gives us great insight into her techniques as a DJ, as well as a video DJ, as well as her amazing marketing and business practices. Um, I got a lot out of it. Her websites, everything is done so well, and uh, it was inspirational to me, and I think it will be educational and inspirational to you. So check out that part of the podcast and check out her websites. She has also made a huge impact over the past year on Twitch, and she's one of the only Australians to do so. Uh, There aren't many out there that are doing it. There were some, but she did great on there. She was doing so many dope guest sets on other sites, uh, other pages, along with her own. Playing with Starting From Scratch, Jazzy Jeff, on Zimmy's site. Um, So much dope stuff. And um, 
like I said, she's playing live shows in Australia, which is so great to hear. But above all, all of these accolades and all of these amazing things that um, are on her resume, she's just an amazing person with uplifting energy. Um, you just feed off of it. I had so much fun talking to her. She's super talented, a dope DJ. She's funny. She's smart. And she's humble. Maybe even a little too humble because she's a bouse. A straight up bouse. And for in Australia, I'm saying the word boss. Um, so like I said, her resume is insane. Go peep it. I had so much fun talking to her. And I think you will have so much fun listening to this conversation. So make some noise for our guest coming up on the 20 podcast. Yo, Mafia. Let's go. We're here. It's the 20 podcast. We've got Yo, Mafia. On the show today. Yo Mafia! Yo Mafia! In yo. the play! <laughs> you know what drop. I love is people call me Yo now. No, don't call me Mafia anymore. It's Yo. Um, Yo. Can you turn it up a little, Mo? Yo. How hilarious like, is what that? Is yo? Oh my God. So that's like on Clubhouse, you have to enter your real name, you know, the, the app like that some people are on. Mm-hmm. So, and they put your name. So I put DJ Spider. And it just shows up like DJ. So when I go in these rooms, especially with people don't really know me, or it's like in a room about podcasting, and it's like these professional like people from Amazon, they're like, so DJ, um, how are you thinking? And DJ, can we hear your thoughts on that DJ? And I'm like, no, my name's oh not my DJ. God. Like, just use the spider part. And then so I was going to well, change come it. On. Yeah, so I, I understand it, but it's just funny. It's like them calling you yo. Or the other thing which is hilarious is that someone who is for some reason in every single clubhouse room is MC Hammer which is very crazy. Um, it's the but, actual MC, right? Hammer. Yeah. It's 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 the actual MC, the actual Hammer. But people call him MC all the time and it bothers me so much. And they're like, "I just did it." MC, what do you think of this MC? And I'm like, no, you don't call him MC, okay? There's enough MCs, you know, like, just call him Hammer, you guys. Please, Hammer, don't mm-hmm. hurt him. It's not please, MC, don't hurt him. There's enough MCs, <laughs> like, oh, so I was dying. I was talking to, like, you know, other, like, hip-hop people. They're just, like, I, like, cringe Dude. when people are in the room, like, MC. What do you, So DJ and MC. I'm like, no, that's just use our, the second part of the name. Like, hip-hop, hip-hop aliases aren't um, translating to Clubhouse very well is what we're noticing here. No. So. No, actually, I don't even know what mine is. It's probably yo. It's probably yo. And then people are going to call you yo. And the scary thing is that when you try to change it, there's big letters that comes up and says, you can only change this once. So I'm so worried. I'm like, oh, do I put my real name with the alias? How do I do it? I wish I could change it, see how it works. And then at least tell me it's 30 days, but don't tell me forever once I change it. So I'm just sitting there with uh, my name's DJ forever. Eventually I'll be DJ Spider. I know. And then I got pulled in like Stretch and Bobito started a room and I pop in and, and I'm cool with Stretch Armstrong, but I don't really know Bobito and Stretch pulls me up on the stage and he's like, yo, got, you know, my friend Steve Wonder and DJ Spider up here and Bobito just proceeds to completely roast me nonstop. Like, hey, yo, B, like, what's up with your hair, B? Like, you got crazy hair. Just starts to like tear me apart. And he's like, your name's just DJ, B. Your name's just DJ. Like, what? And I'm like, no, no. It's, uh, I'm like, this is it's what my spider. hair looks like. And that's spider. And I'm like, if I'm going to be roasted by anyone on earth, I, it's Bobito. It's like the ultimate honor. So I will, I will take it. 
<laughs> I think I've met Bobito actually too. I think he came down under for a sneaker thing because I used to work at a sneaker magazine and I'm pretty oh, sure okay. he came here and did some shit. And yeah, he's like an icon, obviously, in yeah. the sneaker scene, but obviously in the hip hop scene too. Like when for I was sure. coming up as a DJ, it was like Stretch and Bobito show. What the fuck? Like finding these bootleg yeah. CDs and then like actually seeing him on TV now and just like, fuck, man. Like th- we had no, it was so hard for us to get this kind of music here for so I long. I know. But I'm sure. You know, it's all so accessible now. Yeah, it's way different now, but I know, same. I mean, I remember being in college and uh, my friend had to send me a cassette tape of Stretch and Bobbito because he was in New York and he would record it off the radio and they'd be like, you got to hear yep. this stuff. Like, J.Ru the Damager, come clean. You know, like crazy, like stuff I'd never insane. heard. And the only way to hear it was on their radio show and he would send us the cassette tape and me and my other friend would huddle around listening to it. So... Yeah, I can only imagine how hard it was was to get it out oh, in Australia. He, yeah, I mean, I used to work in a secondhand record store in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. And, yeah. you know, we were getting like, we were getting gear from like p- people that were just wanting to sell their record collections and their CDs and stuff. And like, I remember distinctly getting a platinum CD, which had the Balloon Mind State cover, but oh, not. Wow. And I was like, what the? is this and listening yeah. to it and just being fucking blown away and going i don't know how this dude send it to us because we got a lot of radio djs coming in selling their promos getting like two bucks a cd and then right yeah and then like fast forward 10 years later i was able to bring him here and like dj at a sneaker event and like you know just the full circleness of my career too has just been totally insane it's oh just, yeah Thinking back to those days too, and I mean that's also how I got my DJ name too, because I bought secondhand gear from like obviously a junkie. But you're buying good faith, and you know you had to write down your name and who you know who you bought it from, blah blah. So it was all very analog in a book, and I had to give a police affidavit to say that I bought in good faith, and the policeman read my name wrong, and my real name is Maria, and he read it as Mafia, and came <laughs> in just like. <laughs> What? Yo, where's Mafia? And I was like, could you mean Maria? And he's like, yo, I thought your parents have a sense of humor to call you Mafia. And then he kept proceeding to say Mafia. And I was like, dude, it's Maria. And around that time, I just was thinking about DJing and getting a DJ name. And it was around the time in Australia, especially where DJs had like three names, like Shake and Bake. And whatever, and I was going to be fat and wacky or something so stupid <laughs> like that. And then I was like, "Your mafia is actually a really fun, great DJ name because it's oh, got wow. the hip hop connotation. It's not gender gender non specific because there weren't many female DJs in Australia at the time, and I didn't want to be seen as." Even to look at me, you wouldn't think I was anyway. Everyone thinks I'm Jonah Hill. Everyone thinks I'm just this chubby dude DJing and I'm just like, no, I'm a chick. Um, But, you know, the mafia name did (laughs) But it did help, you know, because I I wasn't kind of seen as a female DJ. I was just seen as a DJ. So that's. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, my God. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. So that's crazy. (laughs) So a policeman gave you your name and foreshadowed how hard it would be for us to read other DJs' names in the chat on a Twitch stream as well too, 100%. because 
the amount of people that I call them. Some they're like, "Why are you saying my name like that?" I'm like, "Yo, your name is this big, okay? It's across the room. I've been drinking. I don't even know what I'm saying here. So whatever I just called you is your name. <laughs> That's amazing. And then like with the yo, because I think we, I got my mate to do some like promo stuff back in the day, real early shit promo stuff, and he just yeah. was like, "Yep, cool, leave it with me." And then he did this whole take on Yo MTV Raps. And so I did like Yo Mafia because it wasn't Yo Mafia then. And then I was like, hang on, mate. This will be bigger on a flyer if it's Yo Mafia. It looks a bit more dynamic. So then it became Yo Mafia and then obviously now it's Yo. Uh, So it kind of came full circle. (laughs) Now it's just But I did get a cease and desist from MTV Viacom, so I had to stop. Why? Because you had the Yo with the exclamation mark? No, it was the branding. It was pretty like I oh. came to America in 2010 and I had business cards that were basically Yo! MTV rap cards but with uh, my face on them and oh, then my dope. info on the back like a trading card. Yeah, it was a great I idea. I love that. That's so cool. But someone saw it. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? Good problem to have. It could have been no 100%. one saw it and nobody knew who the hell you were. So uh, exactly. that's what I say to people. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. I'm going to get sued. Who's going to happen? I'm like, Sometimes that's a good problem to have. I mean, remember Danger Mouse? Like, he was on CNN for sampling the Beatles and putting it with uh, Jay-Z and then ends up becoming a huge producer. Obviously, he's very talented, but sometimes it takes uh, getting in trouble for something uh, to propel you to that next level and then taking it from there. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I was shit scared at the time. I was like, "Fuck, I yeah. got no money. I can't. Don't sue me." But it was basically just get rid of all the branding. I was like, "All right," so I could keep the name. So the yo yeah. wasn't a problem. It was not trademarked. So, right. Good luck. Oh man, yeah. thank you to that policeman. Did he ever come to any of your DJ shows? <laughs> oh, I would die if he did. I would die. I don't remember him, but I feel like he needs a massive high five and maybe you know a cut of my career. <laughs> Uh, maybe he might be a, a long-time listener of this podcast, so we'll see. We've got a lot hey. of uh, Australian police officers that write into us. <laughs> Copper Joe, Copper Joe. Yes, no. Right, what, what, do, what do they call police officers in Australia? Is there like a special name or just cops? Pigs, 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 cops. <laughs> pigs. You know, cops. Uh, yeah, copper, copper, copper. Okay, yeah, copper. They call them uh, yeah. police cunts or something. No. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a few people do call them that, yeah. The popo. Yeah. No. The popo. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so, oh, that's yeah. great. Okay, well, we immediately got the name story, and I'm so happy about it. And um, I'm so excited to have you on this show. Just, you know, you bring the most and the best energy to everything you do from – your Twitch streams to your DJ gigs to these conversations and just everything about you. It just feels good to watch you, talk to you, be around you. And, you know, oh, I love it. That. Yeah, no, it's the truth. I love it. I love it. So, so excited to have yeah. you on here Thank and you. for your fans to be able to see you or new group of people to get to know you yeah. better. And, um, you know, you're, you're always full of cool colors and all your stuff i had to wear a very colorful shirt try to match up with you today and uh i did have the black t-shirt listening. just underneath and i was like can't do that to you nah <laughs> nah you can't do it you got the whole background i mean people gotta for for all the youtube people i mean look at this background come on it's unbelievable we got animal chilling in a bean bag 90210 stickers i mean i see the little um dinosaur guy from uh what's that show um not the Flintstone. Wasn't it dinosaurs? Was it, was it? 
What, what, what was the the little? I can't remember. I used to love that show though. Um, something, but <laughs> we'll find out. We'll put it in later. But your background is absolutely amazing. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so excited to have you on here. And um, like we said before, you're coming to us from Australia. Um, what uh, what city are you in? I'm in Melbourne, as you would say, Melbourne. I'm oh, in so Melbourne. you're in Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne. <laughs> I'm originally from Adelaide, and then I moved to Melbourne as an – I was used to be an – I'm the used-to-be girl. I used to be a whole lot of things. I used to be an actor, so I moved here to go to drama school and then never oh, went great. back to Adelaide. It's a very small uh, town, Adelaide, and – I was a bit of a square peg in a round hole there. So um, moving to Melbourne was kind of like the eye-opener that needed to happen. And then, yeah, I'd kind of proceeded to be acting for a while for probably up until I was about 27. That was – I'm going to age myself now, like in the late 90s. And then, yeah, I just got – I kind of got this record store gig and was like – First time I ever had a job like that uh, that paid five days a week. You know, acting is yeah. a very precarious job, just like DJing. Yeah, um, same same so world. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I took a lot from that D- DJ world to the kind of you know to the uh, from the acting world to the DJ world. So yeah, it was it was great to have all that background. You know, um, but yeah, the music store was the kind of catalyst for the DJing. Right, That's where it all started. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So, obviously, uh, like you highlighted, um, we don't say the names of your cities very well out here, but <laughs> I know it's uh, Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne. Mel- Melbourne. Me- Melbourne. <laughs> Is that Melbourne. good? Melbourne. <laughs> You're very good. Melbourne. That's like my uh, Mel- evil announcer. <laughs> You sound like welcome, Will Arnett. <laughs> welcome to Melbourne. That's like Batman. Mel- Batman, Melbourne. Um, okay, yes. in Adelaide, not Melbourne. Hey, welcome to Melbourne. Not Melbourne. Come- <laughs> Where are you born? Know, why is it I'm- born? <laughs> I don't know. It's spelled B-O-U-R-N-E, right? So to us, we look at it as like uh, Melbourne. I don't know. That's how born it Born identity. Right. Yes, Ooh, the, me- yes. the Melbourne yes. identity. That could be a mixtape right there. The Melbourne uh, Identity. D- no, don't worry. There are plenty of parties here in Australia called the Melbourne Identity. <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm not new. To, I'm not uh, coming up with a whole new thing. So every movie it. pun, every every TV pun, every pun you can think of, we've done it. <laughs> yeah, oh my we god, we got a pretty broad humour here. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, uh, Australia seems like a fun place to be. I've actually never been there, like we said. So one day I need to come. I need to come out there and hang with you and just get 100%. the get the whole Australian experience from the food to the people to the music to being able to pronounce yep. the cities and people calling me a cunt and all that stuff. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, but calling you a cunt in the best way possible. Are you? Oh cunt? yeah. I love it. It it gives me goosebumps. I feel it. Um, The warm fuzzies I feel right now. Yes. uh, The the cunty fuzzies. I feel it in my bones. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, I'm the girl to come to. Yeah. That was kind of my thing for a while though. When I used to work at this sneaker magazine back in the day, I, um, you know, a lot of the artists were coming through to Australia and they obviously wanted kicks and stuff. And I would take them to Nike on shopping sprees. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I got, I got, to hang out with some really freaking cool people like when I was DJing bars and then hanging out with the dudes from the Rock Boys and like, you know, um, Dizzy Rascal would come in because obviously he's a massive Air Max fan. Um, 
And, you know, and I'd just take them around and show them Australia, Australia, show them Melbourne, um, <laughs> you know, and just get them, get them lit, as they yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, if I well, can still do it. I'm getting old now. <laughs> yes, yes. I think they still say that. I don't know. I've been inside for a year, so I don't know what anybody says. I'm going to come out. It's going to be all new slang words in the club. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yes. hey, back in my day, we used to say lit. Um, we used to say the bomb.com. You ever heard of that? It was uh, dope. It's fresh. <laughs> I know. I love how dope is now just like a mainstream word people on the news say. They're like, and then it was pretty dope when they went to the store. I'm like, okay, do I stop saying it now? Is that just, that's how old I am. 100%. The guy on the news is saying dope. Um, well, so, so yeah, coming to us from, 90s from come back around. Yes. The, yeah. The nineties are, they're fully coming back around with the stylization of, the photos and you know people's music and even the new justin bieber song like that peaches song the beat is kind of like a almost a not 90s hip-hop i mean i can't put it in that section but kind of like the drums have that yeah um kind of i don't know how you would classify it you know but but drum drum break type of funk break type of feel so i'm not mad at the beat it's a pretty dope song I haven't heard it, but I will after this. You will. And then I heard... I uh, will Nick, hear. I know I will. Yeah. And Nick Bike put up a little... Uh, he just put up the instrumental of a remix he was working on for it and sounded pretty oh, dope. Well, we love our Nick Bike. I mean, he's helped all us. Yeah. He, is, he, he, he has helped us all everyone. in quarantine with his edits. Yes, 100%. He's the savior of quarantine DJs. Um, <laughs> and um, well, so, so, so coming up, you know, you told us that you were into acting and you were in that small town and you moved to Melbourne, Me- Melbourne, uh, to, you know, further your acting and got into the record store. Um, and where did things go from there? How did you actually get in? to being a DJ besides the policeman giving you the name, how did you get into actually um, collecting the records and getting the gigs and deciding how you wanted to market yourself and, and all of that stuff? Where Can you give us some background on your beginnings? Sure. For one, I just want to say the way you grab onto that information is pretty amazing. Like a therapist, you remember oh. everything I just said. Like <laughs> I, kudos, uh, kudos. I, and the funny I don't thing listen is, to what I say. I forget everything all the time. So somehow when I'm in podcast mode, I can remember all the stuff of the guest. But like when I walk out of this room, I'll probably get in an argument with my wife because she's like, you forget our son's soccer game time every week. You know, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like I uh, my brain picks and chooses what it wants to hang on to. So thank you. Yeah. I don't know how it, how I do that in certain <laughs> certain ways. It's pretty good. It's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, so um, what were we saying? Um, I have no idea. So, <laughs> no, so, just give yes, us so, yeah, your beginnings, yeah, uh, you um, know, from It from was being a, a joke, DJ. but yeah. Yes. <laughs> har, har, har. Um, so, yes, going into the record store, I became the vinyl buyer. So I basically just would go through all the vinyl collections that would come into the store. And because, as I said, I was working there in the late 90s, I think a lot of parents were kind of offloading their kids' record collections. They'd left home and they had the most insane records. Like I was getting original pressings of Eric B and Rakim paid in full remix, 12 inch, like wow. picture disc, like all this shit that was coming through. And I got to see it first. I'd have to go through it, work out what we wanted to buy and then 
once we'd worked that out, then I'd have to clean it all because it would be, you know, dusty as fuck. And then grade it, you know, on how it looked, like if it was scratched, and then also rarity. So I amassed quite a collection of records. Yes. That's the best part about, you know, a lot of people that worked in record stores really – Number one, you had first pick of the record that you wanted to buy before you put it out onto the floor to price them. Also, just to learn. I mean, it was a way to learn your music. A lot of DJs I know that worked in record stores knew the music so well. That's why I used to intern and and work at Fat Beats and any place that I could in the beginning, too, because um, you would just get... That's how you got the knowledge and the connections and, you know, the ability. I, DJs can't really do that nowadays. It's like, I guess you could work at spotify and flip through the mp3s or something but there's no um yeah that doesn't scroll, exist scroll, anymore scroll. that's so interesting yeah. i mean i guess you have to work at beat source uh plug and then be a curator yes, and you get to go through in a way that's like what it is if you're a curator at beat source or a certain type of site um you know mm. for example like d james who does the Afrobeat stuff he's already an expert in his own right but i'm sure that being the curator is almost like Working at the record shop in a way, you know, and being a hundred percent. That's one. the reason I got the job too, because I was like hounding them for four years to give me a job because I knew the acting really wasn't going to go anywhere, and I wasn't getting paid very well. And I just would go in there every day and spend whatever money I made on CDs and records. And yeah. I was like, "Give me a job, give me a job." And they're like, "You are way too much for us." Like I was, <laughs> I was on another level when I was younger. Like I've, I've toned it down. So they were just like, "No, no, no." But then. You know, to my advantage, I think in the late 90s, hip-hop had started becoming really big in Australia in a way where it hadn't really been before. It was very underground. And so they were getting more and more of these records coming in and they had no idea what the records were. They had no idea how to price it. So I just happened to be in the right place at the right time four years later. You know, right. and it was the persistence and then also the knowledge. And then from that, I worked with this chick, Lisa, who she was like coming up as being trained as the manager and she was my manager there. And she was a radio programmer on a community radio show in Australia called PBS. And her knowledge of music was ridiculous. So oh, wow. I learned on the job with her because she knew about every other style of music than hip hop. And she was like really into the Stooges and Scar. And I remember like someone did come in and ask for the Stooges and I went, oh yeah, in the comedy section, I think, you know, just no idea about <laughs> any sort of music outside of hip hop. So, You're you know, like the three I gained Stooges? Yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> That's great. Sure. <laughs> so that was rad. And then like, you know, again, another full circle moment was like on Thursday, she would leave to go and do her program, her radio show at PBS and, um, you know, we weren't allowed to play hip hop in the show, in the stores. It wasn't shop friendly. So I would like throw on some hip hop and she'd leave and I, you know, play OPP, I play some Naughty by Nature, I play whatever was hot at the time. Yeah. And then fast forward to like two years ago doing this R&B Fridays tour that we'll come back to, I'm sure. Um, I was on tour with Naughty by Nature and my ex-manager was their tour manager for Australia. And so I was like, yeah, so shop friendly now, right? She's like, what is – and she's like the whitest chick, you know, very timid, super sweet, having to deal with, you know, (laughs) treat. (laughs) was a handful. (laughs) Wow. But it was just hilarious like, that we were back she's on like, this tour She's like, what together. is um, OPP stand for? Thank you. What? That's a <laughs> She's super cute. 
Wow. That's yeah. um, so that was pretty mind blowing. It that that always happens in our world, right? The whole full circle thing. So many clubs and events I've been told, don't play this music. You know, I remember hip hop, can't play that here, it's horrible. Da, da, da. Then later, we only play hip hop here, you know, same yep. dance music, EDM. You know, I remember being in Vegas, you know, and and a club that I won't mention what it was and who the main person was, but don't play you know, any of this EDM here. No, we don't want to, I remember like, cause banana split was big at the time. So AM and Aoki yeah. were playing this dance music in LA and we were all into it. And they were like, you know, don't play any of that LA electro bullshit, any of this dance music. Fast forward a few years later, they're spending all their money on those people to come DJ in the club, you know? So it just, it always comes back like that. Yeah. It's, um, and I tried to stay in my lane the whole time too. I never kind of diverted from actually, not true. Like, I, I, because I worked in the record store, I had a knowledge of all music. So I was able to kind of never box myself in as a hip hop DJ or a female DJ or a lesbian DJ or, you know, any of those things. So I kind of was forward thinking, going, well, if I'm going to get booked, I want to get booked on as many shows as possible. But like, you know, and, that's what you have to do and then obviously doing events and stuff it really comes in handy for sure that's like when people ask me like what kind of dj are you and i feel like you're in the same boat where i'm a hip-hop dj i love hip-hop and but i play all types of music from a hip-hop dj's perspective and i attack it from the same principles that come from uh, Africa Bombada and Grandmaster Flash and DJ Premier and you know all the greats um, and but I will play all types of music in the same way that they did and they were mixing together everything but you utilize the techniques that you learned from hip hop of doubles and scratching and uh, reading the crowd and utilizing the mic and the interaction rather than um, the more I guess whatever it is you know you'd call it the EDM or other styles of yeah, DJing. The- yeah, the one-track kind of DJ because, I mean, right. and, you know, I see it now across the board with the EDM DJs that like throwing in like hip-hop now and doing their right. hip-hop remixes and stuff and I'm like, no, this is not it because they're approaching it as an EDM DJ and you're not approaching it as a hip-hop because as a hip-hop DJ, you know, we've learned about the samples, we've learned about every song is a totally different BPM, it's got a swing to it, you know, it's really hard to blend especially if you've learned on vinyl and you're just like, yeah. you know, and then there's that other part of it for me where I started out playing very underground hip-hop and, like, going, no one's dancing, this sucks. And then kind of clicking once, like, Soul Wax came out and too many DJs and going, oh, yeah, I can play this other stuff. And so as soon as I started adding in, like, stuff that my brothers would listen to, like Van Halen and Bon Jovi and stuff, I, you know, was able to kind of blend those in and do the acapella and the... Uh, instrumental and then you know people were just like what the fuck is this girl doing this boy yep. what is it who is it <laughs> <laughs> mafia <laughs> I, I love you're so humble and also just so like uh self-deprecating i guess i have a similar oh, <laughs> thing about myself but i liked exactly i'm like very real about who i am what i look like what who i am to other people it's like you i get you it know, we're only here for a certain amount of time. You got to have a, a sense of humor and a sense of realism about the world and yourself. Oh, and I think 100%. it's like. Uh, and I think people gravitate towards that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Like what's the, what's the point of taking yourself way too serious, you know? Um, 
and, and I, also, it's funny watching people like film yeah. you like in a club and just being like, who the fuck is this idiot? Like, you know, whatever. And then yeah. they realise halfway through that you're in on it with them and you're like, yeah, yeah well, I know what you're doing. And, yeah, you know, exactly. and then you get them back with a triple backhand and they're just like, oh, my God, I love you. You're awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, because I know what you're doing. I know. That's I'd be doing it way. too if I was looking at me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, same with me. I, I I know what you know what people think, especially when I was like in situations where I was out of context, whether it was super rock shows or super hip hop shows, and like who is this guy? You know, but then I'd be like, All right, I'm gonna show you what's up that I'm supposed to be here for some reason. Um it's the best. Yeah, yeah. But that's oh that's that's super interesting, um, the way you put everything. And um the yeah, the the approach of being able to play the dance music and hearing someone like Soul Wax exactly is a great a great example. And how the EDM DJs not I'm not like calling anyone out or even saying anything's bad or wrong, but in the sense I remember seeing in Vegas where they would take, let's say they wanted to play Jump Around House of Pain, and they would just make like a like an edit where it would just go down, play House of Pain. And then do like a weird stutter and then back up into it. And I feel like as, yeah, like the hip hop DJ thing is that we're almost like riding a skateboard in like a pool with a bunch of different things. Like we're trying to make sure we understand that it's ebbing and flowing and going up and down, but that it's like we're still trying to make it a a flowing wave in a way where it's going to make sense. And sometimes with the... um, other types of DJs, they're used to either being on a stage or having this um, roller coaster type thing where it just it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. So they're like, it's going. Here we go. It's coming down. Here's a hip hop song. That's weird, right? Hey, guys, now we're going back. And it just does like, you know, jump around, round, 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 oh, back. When it's like, I'd rather just have it be this insane unknown thing like you're saying with hip hop where there's so many ways to surprise the crowd with hip hop whether you're bringing in just the acapella the acapella over something that you wouldn't expect just the baseline of another song um doing it a, a, a transition where it goes up and down there's just so many ways to still make it flow or surprise them with like they know something's about to drop on this beat and you put in something totally different that works perfectly so i feel like that's the way we can still play those other genres but utilize all the techniques that we've learned from from hip-hop DJing and where that's where quote-unquote real DJing comes from um, in a way so that's I think you know our approach to all of it and I've listened to your mixes that even you put out for your corporate gigs and it's the same thing you're still you're playing pop music you're playing EDM you're playing everything but you're doing that thing where you're putting Mm. uh, an acapella over it or just mixing it up in a really creative way I mean, it's open yeah. format now, I guess, is what you call it. Yeah, that's right. Genreless. Yes, it's multi-genre. Genreless. Genderless? Uh, Gen- uh, is yeah. it gender non-binary? So it's genre non-binary. I know. Can we have? A, I'm a, can I be a non-binary DJ? <laughs> but not, not? gender-wise. <laughs> I mean, like uh, <laughs> music, non-binary music. Yeah, like it's yeah. always so hard. Like I even I was at soccer game this weekend trying to explain to some of the other dads or moms, you know, like, they're like so what kind of DJ are you? And I'm like, I can't explain. I'm trying open format. You ever heard of that? Very scientific no, you sounding just have term. To say, you just have to say I DJed for Bill Murray, dude. 
That's all you need to know. That's I just have I have that on a trading card, like your Yo MTV cards. It's just me and Bill Murray. I'm like, there we go. Check it out. <laughs> and they're like, that oh, they what's can up understand. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's gonna be my business card, actually. Just nothing else. My phone number and a picture of me and Bill Murray. There you go. A hundred percent. Click the QR 100%. code, and you can hear me telling the story of when he came up to me at the Oscar gig. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's so funny you say about the QR code because I was thinking about that ages ago, like years ago, to do the QR code. But I was like, no one's gonna be bothered doing that shit, right? No one. And now it's everywhere. <laughs> Look at the tappy card. Look at these cards coming out. Look at these bloody, yeah, you have to sign in everywhere where you go in COVID. Like, COVID safe. Click it in. I was like, should have done it. I will. I know. I know. That's Anywho. true. Well, um, all right. And I, and I do want to hear about that, like what it's like over there with COVID compared to here. But um, oh, yeah. before, we, before we get into that... Um, you know, I just wanted to hear about like your beginnings of everything, you know, super interesting, like you said. And um, I think that, you know, since then, since you got into it and and probably like you said, you started in the bars and made your way up. Uh, something that I notice now is that your marketing materials are amazing. Like the way that you present um, all of your stuff from your website to your well, actually, let me go back from your websites. Like, I noticed that you have two websites. You had a corporate He's done his research. <laughs> you had a corporate landing site, some, somewhat. That's Yo Mafia Entertainment, and then you have the Yo mm-hmm. Mafia site. That's kind of all encompassing for you. And I think that's so smart. I don't know if I've ever seen another DJ do that, unless they were doing it in the sense where they're doing a completely different company. Um, Mm. but I, I love the way that you do that. And I loved, and then I thought, well, what, what could she do? That's so different on each website. But I, I scoured through them and noticed, okay, there are some big differences, um, Mm -hmm. as well as your one sheet and your, then your full, um, bio or whatever it's called, you know, full thing. (laughs) Yeah. That's my toilet paper resume, which just goes on and on and like name everything you've done. Oh my God. If I did that, we would be here all night. That's the amount of things you've done. I mean, the amount of people you've played alongside and done shows with and festivals. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. It's very, very impressive, but you have a great way of putting it out there where it's still easy to read. That's something I struggle with. I'm not like from a bragging standpoint, but like I've done a lot of things too. And I struggle with, Oh, what do, how do I list them? What's the best way to do it? Because I know when I look at things, I stop reading after a little bit. I'm like, it's too much. I don't need to know all this. And your stuff was laid out very well where you had it um, sectioned off, whether it's like, you know, official support act, main stage, festival appearances, special tour DJ, welcome DJ, headline DJ. And then you have a couple clips, your main clips in the bottom to click. And then a couple pictures that sort of show your style, the types of crowds you are, and just give you that energy of like, wow, this is what she's doing. That's amazing. Like right away. Um, so I think that's very, very smart and impressive. And your website too is super dope. I didn't go, I will admit, I didn't go to it on the um, browser on my laptop. I only went on my phone and it's really cool like how it, it like animates and then you keep going through and it keeps sort of building itself as you get to the next page. I've done about, so I make all those websites myself and well, you not do? the Yo Mafia Entertainment one, but the, oh, okay. this new one I did for the Yo Mafia one I did during COVID and I spent so long doing it and then realized 
right now I don't like it because of the whole scrolling kind of like you have to keep scrolling and yes it animates looks great but if you've got shit internet it's not going to work very well because I did right. went to show off made of mine and it was just like I don't get it and I was like oh, oh. yeah I've got to make it a bit more user friendly so I'm going to go back I mean I've still got time during this kind of mean we're not in a lockdown anymore but I still have a bit of time to go back and do that I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff I enjoy marketing things for myself in a way where it's got my own touch because it's uniquely me then you know what I mean like I have built enough skills up to know how to do this stuff. With the Yo Mafia Entertainment, that was more of a very specific thought of I need to have my club stuff over here and I need to put my corporate in a specific section. So when people are looking to do book me for weddings or, um, you know, private events, there's something a little bit more classy about it. You know, there's classy and they've yes. got a booking sheet. They can just book in straight away. And I did that maybe five or six years ago and then right down the bottom there's a tasting plate menu which is the entree mix, a dinner mix and a after-dinner mix or dessert mix with just a, like a teaser of what kind of music you could hear during your performance, uh, during your event. Um and I did that with a friend of mine. We worked on that together for a very long time. And then once I l went live, I most of my business came through there. Like I just kept getting so many people just going and like submitting requests, 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 requests. And it was – it paid itself off because it was an expensive venture. But like, you know, you have to invest in yourself if you want to kind of go to the next level. So it worked yeah. out. It was great. That's great. But the Yo Mafia one, yeah. <laughs> figure that out another time oh wow what do you how do you like how do you know how to do that like what do you build the yo mafia one in like your um, own you know how to do it from scratch just in a yeah i wouldn't say i know how to do it from scratch i'm pretty good at like manipulating templates and then spending days on days trying to figure out the html um because that okay. should interest me even though i don't want to do it as a job i just yeah. kind of want it it's a hobby and it's it, it takes time you know and i had plenty of time during lockdown yeah so, of course you know well, it's I great level yeah up my website well, for everyone out there listening, you should go check out um, both her websites. What what can they just go from? Uh, I'm sure if you search her online, you'll find them. But the yeah, yeah the corporate one, I love how you lay it out. Even you separate the weddings from the yeah. bigger events and the other things. You've got a place for them to submit. You've got yeah. it's just laid out in such a smart way. And then when you got, I did get to the bottom and check out each of those mixes, which I thought was a really smart way to put it as well with the dessert mix, the dinner mix, the pre mix and entree, and I yeah. I under yeah, the entree. I understood the way you were saying it, then from listening to it I really got a feeling for what you would be like as a DJ if I were I was trying to go, you know, from a non-DJ perspective listening to it and looking at it. I thought it was sure. very smart. So, good I job. actually had a couple that had screen recorded the mixes then somehow like put them together in Ableton or whatever program they used and then would listen to them on a loop and then they booked me from that whatever and so they booked me and they usually when they're you know when especially with weddings I'm kind of the first thing they want to book in because they understand yeah. that DJs are kind of going to be everywhere and got to get right. the DJ got to get mafia great yeah. locked in but then I did the I went to do the wedding and within about the first half an hour of the wedding I yeah, can you just play the entree mix now? 
<laughs> so they wanted literally the entree mix into the dinner mix, into the after. And I was like, really? And that's they were like, we love it so much. Like we, that, we just want to hear that. Great. <laughs> Righto. It's almost like your album. For- kind of makes your life 100%. easier. It's sort of weird, but yeah, that's great. But it's a good way to do it. It really shows yeah. um, all what you have to offer and, and I think will make the clients or whoever's going to book you feel more confident. And it's a way for, let's say, an event planner's trying to sell you to their clients, they're, whether sure. it's a corporation or um, a, a couple getting married, they're able to say, look at this. You could see all the different parts to it, and you put a you put a, even a specific picture of you DJing those type of events. So it definitely yes. made me sort of even rethink the way I'm putting mine because, like my stuff, I've always liked the way I do it. I've a lot of similar things. I like doing those things. I don't know as much as you uh, on how to create it all, but it's um, you know, it, it, it's a good way to separate everything out and go forward with it. And I've been having the same thoughts of once we come out of COVID how to portray the branding because it's a whole new world out there and um, yeah. clubs are different and special events are different and, and, and all of that. So, uh, and I get hit up for so many special events and I've had to do the same thing of the separation in a way because people are like, uh, I don't know if we want a person that tours with rock bands or I don't know if we want a Vegas DJ or I don't know if we want yeah. just an event DJ. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Just like you said, I can do anything and I will do the absolute best job at whatever you want. And I love this so much that I'm going to put 1 million percent into it and give you the best thing. But it's hard to show them that without um, having some way to do it. So I think that was well, a good way to do it. Well, it was a big thing to want to actually even do weddings. I mean, for so long, I, know. I mean, a lot of DJs in Australia are like, no weddings. And I for actually sure. was no, Me no, too. no. And then like I had a... Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, you didn't get in it to to be a wedding DJ. That's the stigma of wedding DJs, like a mobile DJ, and it's kind of you feel like it's a step backwards. But, like, I was in a club and this couple just kept coming up and going, we want you to play our wedding. I was like, no, I don't do weddings, Uh, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we'll pay you whatever you want. I was like, no. And this is going back probably 10 years ago. And then I finally – I said – they said, name your price. And I just went, I don't know, five grand an hour. (laughs) They were like, done. We want you for three hours. And I went, what? Okay. And it was a Jewish wedding and I'd never played a Jewish wedding before and I went in and it was massive. Like it was a huge – it was a festival, right? And so I went in and I only had to play an hour because the band went so long. And so by the time I did my hour, I was able to mash up so much in an hour that all these people were coming up and just like, he is amazing. Who is he? He's so young. How does he know all this music? And I'm like, well, it's a girl and I'm over 40, but yeah, whatever. So I was just like handing out these cards and then from that it just snowballed. And I was just like, yo, this is the best time I've ever had. Like why was I so afraid of doing these kind of events? Like they're incredible. Yeah. And then that led to, you know, a PR being there from like one of our TV channels who's asked me to do their awards show, which is kind of like your Emmys, but a really bad version of it. Um, <laughs> but for me, you know, and this is like such an honor to be talking to you because you're doing all the kind of events that I've really always wanted to do, which is playing like the Golden Globes and doing the Vanity Fair parties and things. So, you know, that was always a long term goal for me. So, it's super honor. I just feel so honored to be chatting to you about it because oh, you're that you. guy. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I, there's an element of luck of just 
I was born here. I live here. I yeah. grew up here. And, um, you know, there's that, that side of it. Um, I'm sure if you were here, you would be doing it too. And, you know, hopefully maybe one day we could work it out. You can, if you come yeah. here at the right no, time, no. we could do a party together or something. That'll be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's uh one day we'll put that into the universe at this point so i will come to australia and dj with you and you will come here and we will do some sort of big award show party together this will happen yeah you can do our logies okay you can be with our z grade actors come on i'm I'm into it i'm into it Uh, but yeah let's so yeah thank you i appreciate that and and Mm. um i would I mean, I think that's that's great. And the way you described all of that, I, I think a lot of us have been through. That's the exact thought process I had to never. I'll never DJ a wedding. I'll never do a bar mitzvah. How much do I get paid? Yeah. Okay, cool. When do I get show up? I'll see what? you there. Um, yeah, same kind of thing. You know, and then it's... it's if, and then and then you have to get into the habit of making sure you get that price, you know, and, and sort of justifying the thing. And if you do... Do you tend to do... Um, hourly booking rates like that or do you just kind of do an all-in thing I always go in between if it's no, worth it to I'm do the usually, hourly and I really try I try and push for the hour of power or the two hours of power and okay. yes I do hourly so that they won't yeah I'm, I'm not I'm kind of like you know it'd be like you know they've seen you DJing with Bill Murray so they're like you know oh we want him at our our event but we can only afford him for an hour kind of thing um, right. I, I, I'm not going to be there the whole wedding. Like I'm going to be the feature DJ. I'm going to do a club festival set for them. And that's what they want. They don't want me being there just doing all the background kind of dinner music and stuff like that. So I've, and that was part, part of the thought process in having that website as well and having it a bit more classier and making it a little bit more kind of, I don't know, bougie so that they know that they're getting a whole experience and they're going to get what they pay for. And it's a whole, it's a whole brand. It's not just, you know, rocking up and playing for five hours. Not that there's, not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, um, my body will not keep up with standing for five hours anymore. Those days are over. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course there's, everyone has their own approach to it, but if you want something to be a certain way, you have to make it that way. And that's, that's the lesson from that. And, and I agree. Same thing. I try to explain to them. I'm not the normal wedding DJ. I'm going to be the featured DJ. It's going to be your main big show. I'm going to do something similar to a club set, but tailored to what you want. And it's going to be a shorter set. I'm not going to be here doing it for all the different sections. Unless you really want to cut a massive check, then sure, I'll DJ every little section. And that's the thing. <laughs> I'm realizing more and more that all of us DJs, especially the bigger name DJs, all of us, we're all doing it. We're all doing those private events. We're all doing yeah. those weddings. We're all doing those kind of gigs to kind of offset the pay that we're getting, like on a festival or whatever. You know, I mean, we've all got f- mouths to feed. You know, we've got families to take care of. Yeah. So we, we, it's a job, and you know, it, there's no shame in the game anymore, which is great. Yeah. I mean. You know, for so long it was like, yeah, wedding DJ. But now it's like, right. cool, fuck. You know, if I rock up, they're like, fuck, Mafia's here, what the fuck? It's like, oh, sick, let's yeah. go, you know. And it's a fun vibe exactly. because everyone's there and they want to be there, you know. So it's dope. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but I think the hourly thing, it's like a lot of people don't do the hourly uh, booking here. I don't know why. And, and I've battled with it on and off. And sometimes you feel like you're saying too much. But what I've noticed is you might as well say too much because you want to feel like Bring you're getting your the value. They feel like they're paying for something special. And if not, then fine. It doesn't work out. Just on to the next. 100%. 100%. 
Like, yeah, that's the thing. And the amount of energy that I put into a set, I'm like, I've got to pay my chiropractor bill. I've got to pay my acupuncturist. You know, yeah. I've got to go do like all my yep. stretches. I've got to do all this stuff. So, you know, that's all feeds into the bill. <laughs> yep, 100%. And uh, what, what about just to speak on the websites a little bit more, are there yeah. any certain things that you put on to, let's say, your corporate website one? Because you said you get a lot of bookings through that. Um, are there sure. any features or sections you notice that get more, that people respond to more than others that have helped you on there? Well, definitely the mixes for sure. And then like the testimonials, I guess, you know, just getting feedback from like well-known people or like from, you know, clients that are just giving that great feedback so that people can read about it. But to be honest with you, I haven't updated that since I first made it. And that was like five, six, seven years ago. So it's gone back now. Um, right. But I'm still getting I'm still getting bookings through it, which is great. So yeah. But I also I have a manager and an agent now, so they're kind of, you know, I mean my manager's great. He's just like, I'm treating that like it's your jewelry business and I don't want to know about your jewelry business. <laughs> but you know, just make sure you're around for the events that we need you for, you know, so oh, it's kind of so they don't tricky. even mess with your corporate side of things. They weren't. They are starting to now because in the last before COVID hit, like my trajectory went kind of a little whoo um, with them and I was getting a lot of bookings and then it was getting too complicated to figure out times and schedules. And so I just kind of yeah. left it with them because they knew what the schedule was going to be and we weren't right. going to have so many cancellations because it would be like, oh, shit, well, I just booked a tour. I've got to go there now. So Right. Good yeah, problems to have had. Yes, great problems. That's the problems you want. Um, but but yeah. the testimonial thing, I think, is is a good thing that you really don't see on a lot of people's, a lot of DJs' websites. Uh, that was yeah. something I noticed on there, too. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, like I said, uh, going through your bio and one sheet, I mean, the amount of people you've played with from... Stevie Wonder to, you know, legendary hip hop people, you know, Missy Elliott, Chromeo, N.E.R.D., Kid Cudi. I mean, it's unreal. Um, so it, I can't list them all and people can go look you up. Um, but do you have any um, stories about your favorite experiences or your favorite shows that you've done within your life? <laughs> any of them? doesn't have to be the number feel one. Like I'm very so many. <laughs> Yeah, I kind yeah. of feel like I'm really special down here because, you know, there's the, I, I feel like I was kind of that go-to gal, you know, for those events. Yeah. One, because I'm really personable and easy to work with. Well, sound like tickets. Yeah. Uh, but I know, like, you know, I'm 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 very familiar with people and I don't – I'm really professional and I think that, you know, from my acting career and knowing how to network and show up and be available and be present. So, you know, I think the more I made it easier for clients, it was, they were like, yeah, let's just book her. And she always delivers. So it's great. Yeah. So with those big events too, I, I never was really kind of a starstruck person. Like I love Hollywood. I love all that stuff. And I love, you know, these big names, but you know, my approach is always I'm on the bill as a an artist with them. I'm not on the bill as, oh, my God, fuck, I get yeah. to tour with them. Um, even though that that does keep me humble and that is, you know, that does go through my mind too, I think it's more that I um, – I just feel like I've been lucky because all those people that came here, I was that person. So anyway, regardless yeah. of all that, yeah, Stevie Wonder was fucking incredible. 
That was. Oh my god, I can't imagine. And because on a, so many levels, it was an opening of the casino in Sydney, and they didn't tell us there was going to be a special guest coming. So you know they weren't allowed to tell us who it was, and I went on their yeah. website to look who was going to be in town, and it was Lady Gaga, Prince, Stevie Wonder. So it was any of those three, and I was like, well, whoever it is, it's going to be amazing. Wow. And um. I remember there was like four different DJs at different stations. It was really whack, actually, at different stations of this massive like venue, uh, well, in the hotel and in the ballroom. And each DJ had a percussionist, which we were like, oh, God, here we go. So I had like a, I think I had a saxophonist, one guy had a trumpeter, one guy had a bongo player. Anyway, so we would play two songs and it would be like kind of chucked to the next DJ. You know PR companies that like don't know that DJing? and come up with the worst ideas idea. ever. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, we're going to have four DJs all in different corners with saxophones and congas, and it's going to make for the most jumbled up night. No one's going to know what to do or what to react to, and no No one's going to be able to get into a groove, and it's going to be a nightmare. Yes, I've been in that exact situation. And that was the whole point. No one was getting in a groove, but I was really lucky. I was stationed right near the stage, and I was stationed at the kind of VIP section, at the VIP, and it was around the time The Great Gatsby was being filmed in Australia. So Leonardo DiCaprio was there. Uh, Russell Crowe, Toby Maguire, some, that dude from Entourage, Adrian Greiner, Greener, whatever. So there was all these yeah. like Toby Maguire, all these fucking stars there and they were just all kind of hanging out. And, you know, I know very well that Leonardo DiCaprio loves hip-hop and I was the only hip-hop DJ playing and I think I have a feeling he went up and said something to someone because they came over to me and went, look, we're going to stop all the other DJs and just keep you playing. I was like, great. Sweet. Yes. So I You're was like, just playing my as you should. Stuff. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I get this tap on my shoulder and it is Leo. It's just like, oh, wow. yo, music, amazing. Just we're gonna introduce this special act now. And I went, okay, cool, sweet. Fine. <laughs> Fuck. And then they roll out the grand piano and then he leads out Stevie Wonder and I just lost my shit. And I was just like, oh, like he's there, he's right there. And he did an hour performance and it was the most insane night of my life. I was standing on the stage just watching with Caprio and, uh, yeah, it was pretty insane. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> That'll never happen again. <laughs> I love that. I mean, maybe it could. Yeah. They're both still around. <laughs> um, this is true. This is true. But uh, that's, oh, that's that's great. That's such a great story. And, yes, Leo yeah. DiCaprio does love hip-hop and um, – yeah. And oh that's that's so great. Yeah, I I've been in a one I've been in some parties where he was there too and I I had this one specific experience that was hilarious. I'm DJing this super rich powerful person's birthday party and they're like this person is like you can't even google them. They somehow erase themselves off the internet. Like that's how rich they <laughs> wow. are. Like they own like the like it's insane. Like I was able to find out who they were, but it's you can't even look them up even if you knew their name. And uh, and he, so many people were there. But I remember they said, "Okay, so um, Fifty Cent will be here soon, and he's going to perform in the club for the person's birthday. So whatever you do, do not play Fifty Cent in the club." And I'm like, "All right." And so they go and they do these speeches. And they're passing the mic around. It's all these huge celebrities giving the speech about the guy and how he's so generous and they all love him. And I'm like, okay, every this this guy is like the connector of the world. And uh, Leo does it, you know, goes back down and he's with his girlfriend at the time and and she says, Play play fifty cent in the club. It's oh, his birthday. No. And I go, and I'm like, nah, nah, I can't strap. 
come on, let's chill. And she's like, play it, play, 50 cent, play it in the club. I'm like, no, no, no. And then he looks at me and he's like, come on, bro, play 50 Cent in the club. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, it's going to, I can't tell you why because I can't do the. And he's like, come on, bro, play the song. And I'm like, oh, God, this is so awkward. And so I'm like, he's supposed to come here. Like, I, you can't do this right now, you know? And they're like, oh, okay. And then, of course, he never showed up or performed or anything, 50 Cent. So I'm like, uh, thanks a lot. Made me look like yeah. a jerk in front of them. And then he never even came. Uh, there was a lot of like, this person's going to be here, that person. They were like, Diplo will be here any minute. He will be playing a DJ set. And then like, I look on Instagram, like Diplo's in like South Africa. I'm like, I don't think he's going to be here. But um, nah. he may yes. have uh, texted you back and said something. But yeah, there's uh, that's that's hilarious. But it is good to know who likes what in those situations like if i'm gonna do anything with a celebrity like you said number one just act normal yeah know the crowd and also just act normal it's you don't need to go take a picture with the person or jock them or tell them how much you love all their stuff or it's just awkward it's just gonna be weird so just be easygoing like you said if you want to get hired again the event planner doesn't want to deal with having to watch you or you bring in these friends that'll be annoying just use common sense and treat people how you would like to be treated and realize that the celebrities are just like you Uh, they're just a normal person and you don't need to like go crazy kissing their ass or saying all this different stuff just be normal and um and also though do some research on what they like so if you're going to do an event for these different people the more knowledge you have and the more good songs you have on deck the better it's going to go because i've done events where they've said you know sting and his wife are the investors in this movie you need to make sting dance and i'm like oh god okay so it's like i'm looking up articles like what is sting like okay and what is he not like and where does he do this you know and so it's good just to kind of be able to be ready on on that tip and i think that was really good advice from depends it doesn't matter if you're in australia or uh in the united states it's the same same thing (laughs) well i guess you're you know we're similar in that way like i really froth do you say that word froth is that like (laughs) that's a very aussie word we froth on it mate we froth it (laughs) uh no we don't say that (laughs) okay maybe like because i was gonna say we froth like you know researching like you know you i i I, for for one i love researching anything and everything and like and i'm sure you for having a podcast definitely like there's your there's your little hit for you but i um yeah i'm (laughs) constantly like researching the kind of events i'm doing and just even the space like the venue like so i know you know how 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 much energy i'm gonna have to bring and also yeah yeah, like with the artists and you know when we do these r&b friday tours it's like there's 11 12 artists at a go and you know i'm playing in between their sets so you gotta you gotta make it as energetic as possible because you're basically keeping the event going because it's such a long day because it's a massive festival but at the same time, you're not taking away the shine from the artists that are going to come on next. You know, you've got to play that humble game as well. You're not there to be the star. You're a cog in the machine. Yes. You're just keeping it going, you know. so Exactly. Yeah. There's a fine line. And, it's, and that is the key, though, to getting booked again and having good relationships with the event planners or with anybody who's in charge of doing it. Because they want to know they can depend on you, but not have to babysit you in a way and that you can just hold your Mm. own with no matter who you're talking to whether it's the head of netflix or whether it's anybody you know what i mean in the entire situation so or the sound guy or or whoever you want so 
yeah, I, I agree. Those are good, good tips for everybody. Um, and, um, and so uh, speaking of the R&B Fridays, you have a very well-known radio show, um, R&B Fridays, as well. That is a tour that it looks massive from the videos I've seen. I mean, you're playing to these absolutely huge crowds uh, where you're on stage having them sing along. You're rocking the mic. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the rocking the mic thing is the most hilarious because my manager, who is also one of the um, pro- project managers, or basically it's, it was his idea. This R&B Fridays thing is crazy. It basically started um, on the radio show here nationally where on a Friday they just play nothing but R&B music and then they sold it as the brand to basically keep that party going Every night, every Friday night, you could go to a different city. Every city would have their R&B Fridays Live Club. And they had their DJ who was doing all those events and, like, going to the different cities. And then they did this massive, like, event at the end of the year, which is they actually got the artists out, right? So they yeah. bring all these really well-known R&B, R&B DJs and uh, R&B artists and hip-hop artists out. And so the brand just started growing exponentially and they were like, they needed another DJ. And they had this young guy who is fantastic. He was incredible. Um, and I think in their mind, they did want a female and they did get a quite a very young girl who was very pretty, pretty, you know, but just didn't know how to command a stage. And then they yeah. had to go back to the drawing board and were like, we need someone that knows what they're doing and knows R&B. And I think my name had gone around because I'd been – this is a very massive company called Mushroom Records and we actually just lost our the, the owner's Mushroom a um, couple of weeks ago. Um, really sadly, he oh, passed away really quite young and he – like the tributes that were pouring out for him from around the world. We've got his big funeral tomorrow and like Ed Sheeran's here to do a song. Like we're having it in a massive stadium. He's just the most well-respected man in Australian music. And it's his, it's his company and his son runs the R&B hip hop subsidiary of the company. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we need a female and probably someone that kind of knows the music and also knows the crowd. So right. I'm a little bit older. I've been doing it for a long time and, you know, that's my demo. So yeah. they put me on board and um, it just kind of blew up and it became, for me, huge because basically it started with me just travelling every Friday to a different city, doing these R&B Friday clubs, you know, and they, they were big clubs, like six, six to 800 people, pretty massive. And then at the end of the year we would do these massive events. Like right. we would do – Melbourne itself was like 60,000 people. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And I think, yeah, all up we did, we ended up doing like 250,000 people around Australia and then New Zealand as well. So it was crazy. It was insane. Amazing. And like I hadn't done anything like that before, but I was born for it. Woo! Yeah. I you loved were it. born for it. No, that's crazy. I, I fucking mean, loved it. Probably the biggest crowd I've played for is like 30,000 and that was the craziest thing I've ever looked out on. So, I mean, yeah. 60,000 and uh, I mean, that's yeah. it's just mind-blowing at that point. Um, what yeah. about what what are some of the things you learned about DJing and performing on a massive stage with everyone looking at you versus mm-hmm. doing a club or an event where it's more geared towards people dancing with each other? Yeah, that's a funny one because like I've always been really over the top. So, you know, I went 
extra over the top when I knew it was 60,000. But I the, but also I had huge massive screens LED screens behind me and I was yeah. doing my VDJ set so I had all my visuals up there. So basically what I kind of do on Twitch but then kind of on a huger scale. And yeah. one of the notes that my manager did give me on the last tour was funnily enough because it's come around now. Um he had said to me I've got a message from Matt, who is the big boss, like, don't be on the mic too much, like, just let the music play out, blah, blah. I'm like, sweet, done, no problems, dude. <laughs> yeah. I proceeded to, apparently, and it was very funny because when I was trying to get video footage at the end of the show, the tour, to piece together, I was like, just try and get stuff with me not on the mic to my video guy. And he goes, there's literally nothing with you not on the mic. <laughs> I was on the mic the whole time, amping up the crowd, singing along to the songs on the mic. Um, yeah, it was a lot. I didn't realize. And he said to me afterwards, I came off stage, he goes, I feel like you have like one of those tick things that you don't know you've got where someone needs to tell you and you'll understand, but you're on the fucking mic the whole time. Get off the mic. And I'm like, yeah, but so it's too funny. exciting. I've got it. I know. Yeah, exactly. But that came in handy for Twitch, so. It do, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's funny. That's me on Twitch. I'm like, people are like, you realize you have not stopped talking for two hours. I'm like, I didn't realize that. Sorry. I'm like having fun getting it, talking with everybody. But it's also when you're on a stage, you feel the need to interact, to hype. You have to be on the Make mic. I mean, that's, yeah, you have to. I mean, the, if you're not on the mic, what's happening after a while? The crowds, if the, the type of crowd that's staring at you, they start to lose focus in a way they need help it's like running like an exercise class you're like all right now jump now put your hands up now go there okay do the hokey pokey like they need to know what they're supposed to be doing otherwise they start text especially with phones start texting and looking down and doing things and going where when's when's usher coming on you know or something so and it was Usher. so you're right (laughs) uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) he did come on Um, Uh, yeah, no, it was – look, what a what a fucking experience. I mean, when I first got brought on board, they were like, you know, we want you to – so we do a subsidiary of fr- R&B Fridays called R&B Vine Days and that's in the wineries. So it's a bit smaller. It's like maybe, oh. you know, 20,000 people in a winery. Okay. Everyone's getting very loose all day in the sun, standing, drinking wine and Sounds listening fun. to – the first tour was Boys to Men, TLC, Blackstreet and me. Wow. And – great i'd broken up with my partner of eight years three weeks beforehand and i was so completely devastated and so to have that happen at the same time was a jumble of emotions yes this is like shit man i'm going on tour with my bloody idols but my life is breaking down and my manager was like i want you to do a vdj set and i went what's it and he's like vdj and i went what is that and he said video visuals I went, well, how do I do that? And he goes, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I went, fuck, okay. Oh, my so God. So this is kind of where I come from in my whole career. It's the you'll figure it out. And I go, well, I guess I have to. Right. And just make so it work. Yeah. And I did. You know, I learned Final Cut Pro. I got all the visuals going. And then I did this set because I knew I was going to be on this huge stage with these great artists. And I kind of um, – went a little next level with it <laughs> yeah kind of just blew myself out of the water to be honest I was like shit like that was like talk about goosebumps I was just like holy shit I put that all together and did that through such incredible heartbreak and just managed to pull it out my ass and like everyone was like the fuck was that shot I went oh, I don't know 
<laughs> that was one of those things where you just kind of like give it to the gods, man. Like, let's hope it works. And it just yeah. really, it worked. So, yeah. That's great. What, what are some of the things that worked within the video DJ sets that you were able, like you said, that you pulled off or some of the concepts that you were able to bring to life that worked? Well, thank God for my manager. Like my manager's a pop culture junkie and he used to be a DJ when he was like 19. So we came up with this idea of throwing in a lot of pop culture references and then having like interactions like with, you know, Joey from Friends going, uh, well, like I would I would stop the music and I would be like, you know, if you're with your partner, whatever, turn to them and they're just waiting to hear those three little words, blah, blah, blah. And then it's Joey going, how you doing? You know, rather than, I, you know, I love you. And then it goes straight into pony, like the bow. So it was kind of this juxtaposition of like them thinking it's going to be something else and then hitting them with a very kind of iconic moment of TV history and then like a really dirty song, you know, and just making a play on a lot of the songs and um, – and throwing in those references. I mean, that pivot from Ross from Friends, we were trying to figure out a way to use that for so long and then COVID happened and we were like, this is fucking perfect now. But I can't oh perform God. it anywhere because we're in COVID. So yeah. it sucks. You know? Oh, wow. But That's- those little things, we, we work on those things together a lot. So Because right. I, I and- love comedy and I want to incorporate that with my shows. So. I love it. It's so great. It's yeah. so great. I, I have a. I used to video DJ a lot and very similar stuff. I would try to utilize as much. I would take like Kenny Powers, you know, going dollar, dollar bill, y'all. And then, of course, like yes. going to Wu-Tang Cream and then scratch him like dollar, dollar bill, you know, going in and try to yes. anything. It was like Obama had just been elected and I had him going, can we? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And I'd put in like Tribe oh, Called Quest. Can I kick it? And I would yes. even go, We I would buy DVDs of um, drummer uh, instructional videos and then try to find ones that sounded like The Roots and put like Quest Love next to the guy and things like that. Oh, Sim- similar sick. kind of thing. So yes. everything you're saying, it speaks my language and I love the incorporation of comedy, pop culture, all of that stuff. Yeah. And in the same way, like we discussed earlier, it comes back to the hip hop DJ perspective where you're... you're you're about Sample. to drop a song that they think they know and you drop something else and they go, oh, and it hypes them up. You're going to drop yeah. the friends reference, how you doing, rather than I love yeah. you. And everyone goes, oh, this is crazy. They're laughing. They're having fun. Then the song comes on. They love. They're dancing. So it's just all of those emotions that whips them up into that tornado kind of uh, energy right there. Yeah, 100%. That, that's, that's and then genius. now I can do those sets too and I have like a full like little – band of like videos and things like because I do a lot of these VDJ sets now for a lot of big sporting events and things like that like I did the soccer like a couple of like last month I did the soccer so we incorporate a lot of soccer kind of stuff and you know just those kind of things make it very custom to the to the client and they love that shit you know I know it's fun for me too because I'm not just DJing anymore I'm using a creative skill that you know I've always loved to do it's just not about playing music because I'm not I'm not technically like I don't scratch I'm I'm more of a, a visual kind of as I call it, visual gymnastics, because I was a gymnast. Remember, I used to be the used to be girl. Used to be a gymnast. <laughs> you used to be everything. <laughs> I was, baby. I was. I used to be that's... skinny too. Bam. <laughs> but Yo, you know, that, that's life. <laughs> that's a uh, that's great. No, I mean even things where I haven't like I've been hired and I haven't been able to do the video thing because I've sort of left the video thing behind once. 
it was it was hard to pull off in a lot of situations and they wouldn't have the right equipment but i wanted to still be able to do it so i remember getting hired for the stranger things uh event for netflix and I said, okay, I'm going to, and they wanted me to play 80s music. That was the only instructions I got. But my approach to it was similar to what you were saying. I was, I found, I found out right when Stranger Things was supposed to be based in, it was 83 to 84. I tried to get only songs from 83 to 84, then utilize all the vocal clips from Stranger Things that I could sort of wordplay it into the songs and then also find funny commercials and things from that time. And even just using the audio, it it worked in that set. I don't know how many people really noticed, but some did and came up like, that was so cool. And and even those couple people that noticed it, it meant a lot to me. And hopefully the event planner or Netflix or the people that were in charge, you know, saw the work that got put into it. And yeah. And even if not, well, it's a, it it's a it really hard art form. You're yeah. right. It's a really hard art form because it's like very hard to keep people's attention. And then also they're looking at it like, oh, it's TV. And like when you're looking at a screen, you're zoning out anyway. So that's, it's kind of like, eh, yes, that's the hard thing of video DJing. We used to throw this night called Sure Shot. And I thought, OK, this is going to be the future. But it was hard because people would sort of like cross their arms and stare up and then you're like, no, yeah. no, no. It's supposed to be like a party at the same time. And uh, yeah. it was so it definitely seems to work better in those situations where it's a sporting event or a concert or you're on a huge stage yeah, is where that's it can, right. you know, and then especially I saw you doing it with like this Whitney Houston thing and everyone's singing along and it, the way yeah. it, it really came together like that was, it seemed like the perfect. That actually came call. from, I did a, I did a festival in 2009 called Meredith Festival in Australia, in Victoria. And it's like a very kind of, I'd say it's a very cool festival and I was mm-hmm. in between two other acts that were very kind of mashup DJs Yeah, and I came on and it was like about 2am and I looked out into the crowd and everyone was kind of a little bit like, oh, we're getting tired, it's 2 o'clock, you know, we've been here for three days and then I kind of felt this energy rush take over and really kind of understood for someone that doesn't take drugs, I've never taken drugs in my life, but I kind of know when the drugs are hitting in and I yeah. just felt this thing. I was like, fuck it, I'm dropping Whitney. And I put Whitney on and they put the floodlights on because I only saw the first couple of rows and they put the floodlights on. And there was probably 30,000 people there all Amazing. singing it. So I just pulled the mix it and that, you know, fade it down, you know, the cheapest shot any DJ could make and pull the fader down and let them all sing. But it was one of those moments I was like, <laughs> this kind of, this song kind of bangs like at the right time, you know, yeah. not just for like a 30th birthday kind of and the girls going nuts for it. But like if you play your cards right, you can get it and everyone will just go, bang, this is the best. And it's like, all right, sweet. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's true. Like there isn't some people like, well, it has to be big room sound. I'm like, no, you just have to get the crowd in the right way and the right song at the right time. And just like anything else, the right timing and the way you finesse it in and the way you build them up to that point that anything could be a big room thing as long as you're understanding who you're playing to and at the time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But it was it's a shame for me like I couldn't I my internet was so our internet in Australia is really crap. So I couldn't do any of the VDJing stuff on Twitch. Like I did one one event but I had to go to a real like broadcast system, but I got a grant to do it. And then I just was like, well, how can I translate that into a Twitch show but not use video? So right. that's where I just started using all the overlays and the all that crazy stuff because I wanted it to still look dynamic, but like uh, yeah, I'm not going to play videos. 
Right. I mean, starting from scratch does it so well. So you know, well. And he's incorporated his overlays and his videos, he's, you know, and he's got Timber doing it all. I've got just me in this little room and I'm like. Well, exactly. That's the thing. And, and not so saying. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm not trying to take anything away from his work, but it is very helpful, I think, that he has another person that's fully focused on that and he can fully focus on bringing the best music and videos and all the parts of his show. And then yeah. Timber can work on all the other parts. Um, and when yeah. you're alone, you don't want to take on too many jobs in that and also just like anything else you lean into what you have available you know just make it work with what you have so i think the way that you made your thing look so dynamic like you said and and you got someone to design something you weren't able to do the uh video djing but you were able to still convey your personality through the graphics and the colors and all of that and then you as a human could come through and be yourself, you know, on the mic and, and the camera and the turntables and all that stuff. Um, and so... Yeah, it was imperative for me with the Twitch thing to have it like it was back, Well, you know, and I think uh, Four Colors, Zach, is obviously an inspiration to all of us and what yes. a legend. And, and to be honest with you, that's when I first started listening to The 20 because I saw that podcast and was like... I had I got to Twitch really late because I'm we were you know in Australia not many people were jumping on it down under in the DJ scene not right. many DJs here everyone's got tall poppy syndrome here everyone's like ah fucking shit you know look you're trying right. to fucking get attention or whatever I don't know what it is or I can't be bothered it's not worth it um, and it's that mentality of having to build up a fan base again that people were just like ah can't be fucked and yeah, a mate of mine had been he'd been doing it so I was you know and he was doing it every week regardless of how many numbers he had. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do it. And he's like, just jump on, man. Like, it's so much fun. So I literally went and bought everything and figured out how to do it all myself pretty much. I mean, Sean from Serato helped me out with a lot of stuff. And yeah. then listening to Zach's – your podcast with Zach was like a real eye-opener for me as well. So I didn't jump nice. on till like June, July. Like, we yeah. went into a second lockdown in Australia. So I was like, well, I'll go do something now. And right. yeah, it was imperative for me to bring it back to the bedroom. Like I hadn't, I didn't even know that Zach had made those world's greatest bedroom DJ t-shirts because <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, we're all back in our de bedrooms DJing again. And yeah. I have always had this thing where like, you know, I'd be DJing out at night and people were like, oh, where are you playing next? You know that line that people, where are you up to yeah. now? Where are you going now? Like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going club mattress, mate. And they're like, where's that? I'm like, in my fucking bed. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, sick, I'm going to use that as the name for my show, Club Mattress. And then when I got that graphic done, I didn't even tell the girl. I said I want it to look like my 90s bedroom. <laughs> she had the bed in the, like, focal point of it, which is brilliant. And yeah. uh, Club Mattress was born. Oh, yeah. it's so great. I love it. Yeah. It really it really conveys your personality and the colors and just everything about it. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but you like you said, so, so – I mean, I really got to know you a lot better through Twitch and I know some people yeah. did and some people knew you by DJing with you in some country or somewhere by going out there, yeah. you coming out to where they were. Um, but what um, what are like some things you learned from Twitch? And as you said, it wasn't very big in Australia. Um, mm. What? Yeah. Like what's the, the Twitch vibe down there? Like you said, no one's really into it. And how has it been for you? 
Well, when I was speaking to my manager about it, because I was like, well, I want to do this thing. Like, I want to do something. I don't want to just be sitting around. He's like, look, it's up to you. You do what you want. But, like, you don't have to be doing that. We're going to have gigs when we come back, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not the kind of person who just sits around and waits. And there was two DJs in Australia that were really smashing it. There was one called one guy called John Course, who's an old school house DJ here. And okay. he was going massive on Facebook Live, like just crazy. And then obviously copyright issues, he f- he flung over to Twitch. Um, and then there's another DJ here called Hot Dub Time Machine who also does a lot of the VDJ stuff. And w- he came up with the best concept ever, this dude, like years ago of playing all the number one hits from the 60s up until now. So every single year he would play those songs and have this. So his stage shows are beyond, like his VDJ sets are next level. And so he was doing them on Twitch and he's he's massive in the Edinburgh festival circuit. So he had like 10,000 people just jumping in watching his shows, like ridiculous on Twitch? numbers. On wow. Twitch. And Crazy. no promo, no like he wouldn't let people subscribe. He just wanted people to just jump in the chat and have fun. And so, you know, and I've watched them just be like, this dude is the best. He's a good friend of mine too and he's a legend. Yeah. I've done a few mixes for his podcast. And um, so then I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. And then what happened was I think the energy that I put out kind of attracted the eye. Well, we're starting from scratch especially. We had done some shows together when Russell was here doing his stadium shows, Russell Peters, right. um, who I had no idea who he was because <laughs> I'm the worst. And they would come and do their after parties at the clubs I was playing at. And I was like, yeah. who's this funny fuck? But I certainly knew Spinbad and Starting from Scratch. Starting from scratch. I've always known who they are. So I was amped that they were coming to the club and playing. Yeah, um, and then the year later they came back and they ended up playing at the club I was playing at again and – this time I knew who Russell was and I was like, give me, can you record me a shout out for my mixtape, which is the best shout out I've ever gotten. It's incredible. Um, and then we kind of not even kept in touch, but I guess through social media, me and Scratch did. And then, yeah, he was like doing those Instagram live interviews when COVID first hit. He was doing these mad interviews with people, which were awesome. Right. And I'd yeah. jump in and he'd always shout me out. And he was always so friendly and so lovely to me. And I guess he'd been seeing like what was happening with R&B Fridays and how massive it was down under. And then, yeah, he was just like, I want you to come and play on my show. But I thought he was joking. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's like, I'm doing a birthday stream. I want you to do it. It's with Jazzy Jeff and Melody and Headspin, Shortcut and uh, Terry Hunter. I was like, what? <laughs> sure. Amazing. Wow. And then, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like he gave me this huge exposure to a lot of people that had never seen me DJ before and were like, right. who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, great. What I is know he? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely got to know you from from that or of some something like that, you know, just seeing you all over the place. I mean, I think yeah. I think you popped into my streams and I got to go on your channel and just started following you and then yeah. started looking you up and then seeing you your association with everybody. But so I think whether the numbers are huge or not on Twitch, there's still some benefit to doing it. But it is interesting that it didn't get be- that big in, in Australia. Um, no. 
what I think the people it? that oh, jumped yeah. into my streams were like my friends and they were like, you know, they don't know how to use the chat. My mum though has been amazing. She jumps in, she is hilarious. She's like, you know, I was playing Fat Man Scoop because I did an R and B Friday special and yeah. Fat Man Scoop was our host and he's yeah. done a lot of shout outs and stuff for me too. And we was doing the who's fucking tonight? Who's fucking tonight? And my mum has literally written in the chat because I was like, Well, I'm not because I'm in COVID. And mum's like, Well, I'm fucking tonight. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, shit, I didn't think it would let me ride it. I was just joking. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the best she's thing a, ever. She's, she's, I'm definitely my mother's daughter. <laughs> wow. I love it. Yeah, my yeah. mom's like, I watch your streams, but I don't want to be the mom in the chat, so I don't write anything. I'm like, you're allowed to. I think it's fine. <laughs> well, That's my mom's great. a Greek mom, and she wants everyone to know I'm her daughter, and I'm special. <laughs> and she, and that you. she's fucking tonight. So uh. She's fucking tonight. <laughs> mom's getting the action. <laughs> There's your soundbite, Beat Sauce. <laughs> we got all the moms fucking tonight in Twitch. Uh, wow, that's yeah. hilarious. So, and then as far as COVID, I mean, COVID has affected the entire world, especially our industries. And it's been so hard and everyone's had a different road back. And obviously we saw New Zealand was the first country to say, hey, nobody's got it here. We're out here having festivals and we're over here going, no, we're not. Um, what has it been like for you? I know it's been a lot of ups and downs in Australia, but it's still been a lot yeah. better than here. So what, what's it like now? And then what has it been like over the past year? Well, now, I mean, yeah, from this Friday, we're going to 75% capacity for any venue, which is huge for right. us. I mean, to be honest with you, though, it's like, I mean, I've been playing in the clubs every weekend since I think the beginning of February. And there's this little kind of loophole that people have gotten through, which is, you know, it, it, you have to have, I think it's one point, whatever square metres it is on a dance floor, but what they're doing is, or no dance floor or 50 people on a dance floor, but what they're doing is putting a table and chairs on the dance floor. So now it's not oh. a dance floor and everyone dances around the chairs and table and oh. um, yeah. yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's been slammed. It's been Absolutely. I mean, people, as I say in the Aussie slang, are frothing for it. They have been going nuts for it. The lines in every club down the streets in the city are just pumping. So, right. And, you know, we, I've been listening to your podcast, speaking to a lot of artists and talking about how things will be different. Um, the, the difference is for me and probably for a lot of your artists that you've spoken to, yeah. we're all kind of in that more, a little bit more established and, you know, we can command a crowd with our name on the flyer and those kind of gigs are slower to come back. Yes. A lot of the bar DJs are getting all the work. They're getting everything. Because one, Makes venues sense. have not made any money. Right. Um, and two, you know, when we are getting gigs, we're getting it at a cut rate. Um, you know, because one, there was lower capacity of crowds, so obviously they're not making enough money on the bar, but two, yeah, they haven't made money in the last year. Um, and also with traveling, I mean, I know for yourself and me too, like my, my whole gig life is based out of a plane, you know, and traveling. Yeah. So that's going to yeah, take exactly. a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I figure that's, um, I knew that was going to happen, you know, like there's yeah. pros and cons to having gigs that where you do bigger things or get paid more money. So obviously that's a pro when you get to do it. But for when everything disappears like that, it's going to take longer for that to come back. And obviously I do think bar DJs and, 
and just the working DJs out there are going to be able to get the gigs sooner. But also they have to deal with a lot of the dangers of what's happening. I've heard so many crazy stories, you know, especially in America, because people don't seem to care in certain places. Um, So Mm. people are getting sick, like all the employees, you know, now things seem to be better and I'm hoping it's going in a positive direction and we're on our, on our way out of it. I hope. Um, Yeah. We've been really lucky. We've been open since February and we've had pretty much zero cases. So it seems to have been eradicated here in a sense. I mean, we were getting most of it through hotel quarantine, like with people coming over from overseas, but you know, that'll change on a dime. (laughs) It can change at any time. So, you know, know. having Twitch has been a godsend. I know for you as well. And a lot of the DJs you've spoken to where we've been able to like produce online shows for events and brands and corporations, you know, so we can still do that. Today I got some more gigs through doing, you know, some of my shows for, you know, great brands that would, you know, usually these brands are like, you know, they'd have like 2,000 people at their Christmas party, but they can't do that, you know, so. Yes. You know. So it's been that has been a godsend. I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I think I'm, I'm probably the only DJ on my booking agency that has gone online. So that's the point of difference for my booking agents, where they can just go, well, we've got Mafia. She does this online stuff, and so that's worked in my advantage for me. So that's good. Right, and going forward, we don't know what's going to happen with the crowd sizes and the different stuff. So it's nice to be able to offer that to clients like yo we can we can pull off the digital events however you want you know whether you could look at my twitch it could be similar to that or you know mix it with like your corporate website the way you portray things there and say we can do this digitally for you with a small party um until things get back to normal or whatever get back to safety and about normal I just also love how like we're all doing something so completely different on our Twitch pages and we've all got yeah. our own little shows and like we're getting, I'm getting so much inspiration from everyone's shows and I'm seeing my inspiration through other people's shows too. And it's like, it's the best. It's so dope. Yeah. I love it. You know, I love yeah. it. It's a way for us to just really come out and, and be authentically who we are in a way. And like you like we were saying before, I end up talking the whole time. I do like talking. I do a podcast where I talk for hours on end every week. Uh, but on my Twitch stream, it plays into that. And in a, in a nightclub, I could never do that. You know, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't come across. There's not, you know, there's not that much comedy going on in a nightclub. You know what I mean? You're like, yo, yeah. where, where, my, where are the ladies at? You know, it's like very <laughs> yeah. straight ahead kind of thing. So for me, I love having this avenue of a way to do it. I used to have to just do it on Instagram and make funny faces to a magazine or do oh things like God, that. Oh my God, the mags. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but that's why I was like, yo, I've done that for like eight to 10 years in every airport. Like I need to figure out something. I'm like, I'm just going to edit them all in Final Cut, make an hour long thing and just put it on my Twitch stream because yes. I didn't just do that for no reason. You know, there you I'm go. Make, there you go. Use. Yep. That's yeah. foresight, brother. That's foresight. Always <laughs> hustling. <laughs> yeah, and just utilize what what you've done. You know, the same way you 100%. used your VDJ shows, and you're able to put those yeah. onto Twitch, or at least elements of it, and um, and then well, yeah, book- having the Twitch, having the Twitch um, recaps as well. Like it's like yeah. your own little promo video of a, like a whole show you've done, and you know, people are like, what the fuck is this? This looks amazing. I want to check check this out. You know, it's like, I know, mm, Matt, come on. I know, come I know. On yeah, I got to. Uh, that's yeah, I got to work on my Twitch recaps a little bit better. I I just let them sit there. I, I'm doing the podcast recaps, so, but I will get there. <laughs> I got like 
thousands of you know or hundreds of hours of footage probably just sitting there of me and you do saying, so much in your shows too there is so much so, so much dope stuff you can put in like 58 seconds you know yeah it's just yeah, a matter right. of doing it i gotta yeah. do it i gotta work on it um well um yeah i mean there's um what are some other things well oh so, something else i want to ask you about was you know going down the nerdy route um is your music organization. I mean, as someone mm. that does so many different events and from the corporate stuff to the R&B Fridays to the nightclubs to everything we've discussed on this podcast, do you have any specific music organization uh, things that you do or that you recommend to people or tips or is it just kind of figure it out as yeah i never used to i'm usually that girl that's just like scrolling through two hundred thousand tracks going ah, where is it where is it and then i was like i can't do that anymore i can't because i am manic anyway in that sense and very hyperactive which is why i don't mind doing my twitch shows by myself because the more things i can do the better um yeah. but it got to a point where i was i realized even with the twitch shows as well like a little bit of preparation takes off a little bit of the load so i can be more you know, uh, entertaining or yes. have a connection with the crowd. So, yeah. yeah, I have a shit ton of crates in my Serato. <laughs> nice. A shit ton. Yeah, there's a lot of crates going in there. There's a lot of, you know, bogan rock. I don't know. Do you know what a bogan is? No. <laughs> what, what's a bogan? A bogan's like a redneck. Like, yeah. Uh, that, you know. okay, and a bogan okay. would say frothy. Yeah, mate, frothing it, mate. You know, he's got that real broad accent. And they, they <laughs> like this like Aussie rock, like real Aussie rock stuff, pubs, pub songs. Um, what's you know, that's like probably my what's prize Aussie position. rock? Like what would be an Aussie rock um, You know, rock like, song? like in excess Stuff oh, okay. like that, you know, in excess, but like, yeah, you course. know, it could get worse than that. That's in excess <laughs> of fantastic, meaning it could get broader than that. Um, but yeah, there are a lot. And yeah, through Twitch too, I, I kind of was like, I had an idea of doing like specific shows, but then I'd end up just going back to, you know, the non-binary genre show. <laughs> yes, yes. The non- <laughs> I was just like, I want to play everything. Fuck it, you know? Yeah. I know, same. I want to do. I love how starting from scratch does the specific shows, yes. but I like just doing the the all over the place kind of ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're very similar. I know. I really do. We're like very, very <laughs> similar. Like so many parts of our personality and the music we like and the, our approach to everything. The uh, tangential thinking that just keeps going up, but you eventually get back to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We've got a. Uh, we are definitely cut from the same cloth in some exactly. in a lot of respects. I think so. I'm How glad we you? were able. Do you tell people uh, your age? Yeah, I mean, I'm in my 40s. I just turned 43, which is cr- uh, crazy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm 48 um, this year. <laughs> Wow. Which is, yeah, I fucking... Mm. I think, you know, yeah. people think we're younger than we are, I guess, at first oh, glance until we start talking and saying all the things we've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, you can really tell my age by the way I walk down a stair. <laughs> you know, when I'm walking downstairs, <laughs> I'm like, oh, lady mafia. <laughs> okay. The old knees, the old knees, mate. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I took my kid uh, golfing at the go- uh, driving range yesterday and I woke up today and I'm like, I've never been this sore in my life. I'm like, is this normal? Like, is something, am I dying? Do I have COVID? What's happening right now? Like, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I think I just golfed. I didn't know that could happen, but okay. Yeah. There you go. All that swinging, babe, all the swings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we old. But you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. How long have you been DJing? 
Oh man, a long time. I mean, I, yeah. I think I st- I got into it in the mid '90s. Let's say '95 was when I was very interested. Like, this is something I want to do. By the time it was '96, yeah. I had saved up and I got the turntables and I started saving up for the records and I started getting into it. Did not know it would be my job or this long later I would be doing anything with it. But uh, yeah, around 96 was my first turntables and getting into DJing and doing the college radio station and DJing the parties at school and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, probably I, I started touring as so I started doing the private events and the Hollywood things and all those things. And then touring, doing nightclubs and private events and these bottle service things in Las Vegas around uh, 2000 six i think and then it's been from there it was like every weekend of my life just on an airplane and doing things and and working with new companies and new clients and kind of the evolution where the constant evolution and changing of my career but for the 10 years before that from 96 to 2000 i mean i was i thought i would be like Babu or premiere like in a underground hip hop group and yeah i was i had so many things i was in rock groups and i would be the dj in the rock group and i love scratching and you know so many different iterations of who i was and who i wanted to be and what my goals were as a dj and owning record labels and trying to be a music supervisor and being a composer and just every different take i could i could do on it so it's been mm-hmm. i don't know how long that is but let's say 96 till 2021 and then 25 for, brother 25 oh. years no 35 years for 35 no not 35 years 25 25 yeah we good at math we did good at math <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do good in math no but yeah, i mean it, yeah like that long and then you know a good from 2006 2006 till now was like yeah basically this same type of career i've had that's why yeah. when covid hit i mean it's been a year of not being on a plane or doing these gigs and it's it's, it's crazy 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 so different but i got i gotta tell you being in one space has been bliss yes it has been so nice and so you know, many i mean good things yeah <laughs> so many good things and i i was getting burnt out like i was working same so much and traveling so much even well australia is yeah a more widespread i guess than the states maybe um and it yeah it it was a lot and going to asia and and yeah i've done the states as well but it was those last couple of years when i signed to mushroom which is the label the massive record label and then doing all those r&b friday things it just was yeah non-stop and it was gonna be even more non-stop so i was kind of a little bit like can i keep up and then i was like no i can because it's in me and you know the hustle never stops uh but you know when it all did stop i was looking to buy a house so thank god i had savings and I could yeah. just kind of go, all right, well, I'm okay. But, you know, and then really take the time out just to kind of chill, regroup, and then start doing the Twitch stuff and rebrand that way. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's for me, I, yeah, I've been, I think this is like my 21st year of DJing, but I got into it real late. Like I was like 27, 28. But, you know, from the music store and then going, moved to London for a while. And then I pretended I was a DJ there and got shut down real quick when I tried to blend two songs together. 
Oh, and no. did an old fader trick. And they're like, you're fucking shit. And I was like, I am shit. I am. <laughs> I had to relearn how to DJ. I was like, I better go home and really learn how to do this. Oh, wow. And, yeah. I mean, that's a huge DJ town <laughs> and also a huge yes. place for uh, brutal honesty to your face. So mix those together. <laughs> that's what you get. Yep. It's a perfect thing for the old Muff Diddy over here that thought she was all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway it was good that's how you learn though you got to go through those hard times and and 100%. things and to figure out who we want to be and who we want to represent within this it's all about finding yourself being inspired by the people you look up to and then finding yourself and what you want to bring to the table and how you want to inspire others 100 percent. i mean did you how did you learn like how did you learn to cut and scratch because we didn't have youtube back then we didn't have right with those vhs videos but like right yeah those vhs videos were the best i mean it was yeah. that i mean i would just uh go we would go to raves i would see this guy raw i would see all these different djs i would go to every hip-hop show i could go to and mm. you know i remember seeing maceo uh, that's why it's, fu it's funny seeing him on Twitch every day now, but seeing Maceo with De La Soul and and watching the way he, you know, cut and scratch and, and handled the crowd, going to see Z Trip um, and just all these amazing DJs I looked up to yeah. and listening to DJ Premier and just going, I need to make that sound that he's making somehow. And uh, finally, when I was doing it, just practicing over and over it and worked. over, watching the videos, yeah. watching the DM, the DMC battles, the ITF yeah. battles, getting shortcut, Qbert, Rob Swift, Executioner, cassette tapes, and just listening to it. And once I had my own stuff, just taking the scratch records and just trying to practice um, listening to it and then finding other people to look up to, just friends that were a little bit ahead and had learned this is how you do this and then showing me and then I would try to learn something and show them and that yeah, was I'm it. Mad. Yeah. Yeah, because for me it was the same. Like I was always hanging around dudes and dudes wanting to be DJs and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this too. And then I always kind of, it was the same with the sneaker collecting. I was like, yeah, you want those kicks? I want those kicks too. And then it was like I went too far with everything. Like I'm going to make this the career. I'm going to make, I'm going to buy 500 pairs of sneakers. Like I want right. to be that dude. And it yeah. was just like, and then it kind of, yeah, the same thing I was like with you was like I didn't know it was going to be a career but – Right, you know, and for me, I'm not. As I said, I'm not a technical dude. I'm not a scratcher. I don't didn't do any of that stuff. I just was a fucking nut job behind the decks. <laughs> right, but in a way where I was still DJing and still being able to make it very seamless and have some. Yeah, flow. of course. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wanted, I just loved the whole sound of scratching and I just was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, like oh, and any sick. DJ I looked up to just was someone that was great at scratching. So I was like, I, I just want to practice this all the time, you know, and that was just yeah. what I worked on. But I would break it up. I love drum and bass music and raves and dance music. So I wanted to know how they were doing those super long blends and, and making mm -hmm. the songs be so seamless where I could not tell the difference between the two songs. But it kept hyping you up in that way because with hip-hop it was dope but you knew the difference with drum and bass or or a lot of the dance music i couldn't tell where one song began and ended and i wanted to be able to merge those two worlds with the scratching yeah. and cutting as well so it was just kind of finding the things i was interested in and then trying to apply them and see what i could get good at and and then turn it into my own style you did it I did it. You did <laughs> and I'm still, it. You did still it. Still doing it. Still, and still figuring things out. Now you're back in your bedroom. 
<laughs> now I'm back in my bedroom, just like everybody else, starting over, square one, seeing places uh, reopen. We'll see yeah. where things go, you know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just I just want to be a well-rounded DJ because even by the time I met DJ AM, I'd been DJing 10 years and then seeing him and Mark Ronson and people like that and going, wow, like there's so much that goes into being a well-rounded DJ that it's not just 100%. doing the one thing, you know. So yeah, I don't know, like. What kind of things do you think go into a well-rounded DJ or someone that can stay authentic but still play all over the place? Well, I guess it's the musicality, right? And you've got to know when to cut and blend out of a track and transition. And also, you know, it's like a heartbeat. You've got to keep it regular. You can't you can't just jolt somebody out of something and it's like awkward, you know. It has to yeah. be, there has to be a flow. And, you know, I'm a big, big fan of looking at people in the crowd and making sure I'm connecting with people and also looking like I'm having the fucking best time, like maybe better than you guys, you know. And yeah. it's just about yeah. having... A great time and being personable and allowing people to, you know, well, not come up too much, but you know, come up in in a way and have some sense of like, I'm not just the DJ, I'm you too. Like, you know, there were many times yes. back in the day where I was feeling like without sounding up myself, I was like, fuck, man, sometimes I wish I could just go to my own set and dance because fuck, it'd be awesome. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, so yeah. I was very attracted to those kind of same DJs that did – there was there was a it's a party jam you know it's a party DJ it's a party vibe and um you know we've come into a world now where a lot of the younger DJs are you know it's it's the 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 transitions are getting faster and faster and I can't keep up I'm like Shh. I feel like I'm having panic attack but it makes sense because the whole world is so anxious right now so there's so much anxiety and you're gonna play how you feel so yeah. you know I'm I. I'm also I've I've also been known to do that, and when I have, I feel like just calm down, man, calm down, just enjoy the moment. So yeah, yeah a lot of just yeah, definitely the musicality of it. I mean, and yeah, making sure that there's a genuine flow because otherwise people were just going to be like, oh, this sucks. I don't get it. You're making me pissed off. You're making me angry. And those moments too, where you know you just. You affect – you seeing people just singing and dancing and having the time of their life and they're just like – I think um, King Mosty said it best. He used to do Frizon Fridays, I think. Do you know what Frizon is? No. It's like it's the it's so it's the French word for goosebumps, but it's it's goosebumps from audio stimulation. Oh wow! So, yeah, and I that just stuck with me so bad. Like I so I from one of his streams I saw it. And um, yeah, it's that moment, you know, where it's like. I know that's the ultimate. I know I was watching a a clip the other day of I think it was like a Joe Rogan and Jim Brewer talking and they were talking about that exact thing, you know, and and how music can affect people and be a healing thing. And that that feeling when you get the goosebumps and. Um, just how oh, that story that he is. told about like the guy in the wheelchair and yeah, did you, did, is it that? Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, that was exactly and it. And following was it the Led Zeppelin or the Grateful Dead or oh, one of them? It was following Metallica. Some rock band. It was Metallica. <laughs> funny enough, shit, man. Uh, I know my music, don't I? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I just you know what's so funny is that night I was watching it and and just it showed up on my um instagram just a little clip of that story and i screen recorded it and then i made a beat uh 
I, I went in Ableton. I just produced a beat around it that I thought would be this dreamy kind of thing that could maybe give someone goosebumps. And then I sampled them talking and like lowered it down and put like effects on it and chopped it up. And it, it sounds kind of cool. Like I, uh, uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll send it to you. See what you think. But I've been, please. I've been pro- Cause that I've been, means that, that sounds yeah. to me, that's what you prioritize. You prioritize like finding things that other people have said or situations and then making a beat from it, but you don't want to sit and watch yourself for two <laughs> hours and edit a video of yourself. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Like I'm sick of yourself. I know that is, that's funny. I got a problem. I mean, I should be doing that with my own clips. I've probably got, you know, hundreds of hours of myself talking about it, but yeah, that just inspired me listening to that. And, I, and so when you talking about the, the French word for Frison. it, just, yeah, frisson. Yeah. Frison. Um, <laughs> Speaking of which, you probably have to go and have dinner with your family, Frison. <laughs> Frison. Uh, True. Frison. Well, let's, um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about so much and I had so many things that I want to talk about again, too. But hopefully we can do this again in some form or fashion, whether it's another 100%. part two podcast or maybe we jump on Clubhouse together and do a, a live talk. Oh, we sure. do a Twitch talk or something. But uh, I, yeah. I feel like I could talk to you, honestly, forever. Like, I love no, no, talking ditto, to you. Babe, it's so much ditto. fun. Um, but so before we get out of here do you have any words of encouragement or any tips or any things that you want to say to the djs out there that are listening right now the yo well if anyone's got to the end of the podcast congratulations (laughs) you obviously had some time on your hands um i just yeah just you know just be personable man like we're not cool (laughs) we're not cool we're just people and you know just drop that veneer and just be nice to people and be professional don't waste people's time and you know treat it like it's a job because it is a job and you know obviously we now know how how essential that job was to us and our our identity that I know probably a lot of DJs like I'm never going to complain about having to go to this gig or do that anymore you know, um, or take it for granted because we yeah. really do have an amazing fucking job. Like, it's incredible. Yes. Frison. <laughs> Frison. Go make that Frison. Frison. Yeah. No, that's that's so true. And that's something we've all, I hopefully, we've all learned through this time is just to don't take things for, for granted, uh, including relationships with people, your job, music, all the mm. things we get to do. And, and uh, you know, something that I've had to adjust my brain sometimes is saying, I have to do this. Like, what do you have to do today? And I try to just change the have word to get because I get to do all of this. You know, I'm so lucky that I get to do this podcast and talk to you. I'm so lucky that I get to go stream on Twitch and I have these opportunities. And and that's what, if I'm feeling a little bit down, like that'll get me back into my motivation, motivational feeling or, or inspirational feeling is that I get to do all of this stuff. We're lucky to be doing this and we can get burnt out and we can feel, um, oh man, should I be doing this or whatever you feel, imposter syndrome, but um, you're here for a reason. You're doing it for a reason. And if you're not, then mm-hmm. go do something else. But um, 100%, it, man. We need the gigs, so see ya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get get out of here. <laughs> but I think I'll, also I just want to end on saying, you know, I want to thank you too because you've given all of us one a platform to speak about like you know how we've come to be and there's not many podcasts that are doing that and I've learned so much from all of your guests like I'm a big avid listener of the 20 beat source the 20 um 
And I, uh, <laughs> you know, that. and your insightfulness and the way you just conversate with people and just have this free formed conversation is like, it's so refreshing and just so lovely to listen to. And just and the amount of like DJs that I've met through the podcast as well, you know, Bella Fiasco, Von Kiss's last, last week or whenever we're yeah. putting this up, you know, her yes. as a, you know, and as a gay, gay DJ too, kind of figuring hearing that like the US only has 16 like lesbian clubs in the whole country. I mean, we've probably got That's- two in Australia, so wow yeah it's pretty underrepresented but like you know and of course you know jazzy jeff or color zach and you know starting from scratch my hero so you know thank you dude take take your flowers okay okay i'll accept them but yo that means (laughs) so much i i appreciate that like so much infinite Mm -hmm. appreciation and um i'm so glad that you see it like that and hopefully everybody listens Mm -hmm listening does um it, it that's that's just huge that's why i'm doing this and it really makes me feel like this show has a purpose and i love that and um yeah thank you that's that's great and so i'm so glad that you could be on it and share that with people and and i think you know that's something we didn't get to speak on as much too is um i know we were joking about a lot of it but being a woman being a lesbian or being gay within um the DJ world, the entertainment world, just the earth <laughs> is a is a crazy yeah. thing to have to deal with, you know. And um, yeah. I think that it's something that needs to be discussed more. And that's why also I do want to bring um, some some uh, you know attention to that on this show and talk about it more because it's something that is either ignored or brushed under the rug or someone people just want to be happy but not talk about the hardships of that and that was a crazy fact that she said there was only there was a small amount of lesbian bars in the u.s and to hear that there's even less in australia um yeah why you know it's I mean, so interesting yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're probably right to have skipped over me because I feel like I'm, even though I am a woman, it's like I, I kind of defied all that in the beginning and was like, you know, I want mafia as a name and I don't want to be known as a lesbian DJ. I want to be known as everything. Um, and I think that, you know, Bella and Von, you know, they both so eloquently put those conversations out there and they definitely still need to be had. And, you know, there's obviously – more time for that. And I'm sure you'll have many more women on here to discuss that with too. But yeah, I think we, (laughs) we were so concerned with our frison and talking about all our other things. (laughs) I know, but I think it's important. It's something that you've done. I mean, uh, more things I've seen on your resume is that you've put a lot of time in your life towards those causes and doing big shows and festivals towards that too. So I know you may have started that certain way, but I think that you've grown into being able to utilize your voice and platform how you want to within that, you know, as much or as little. I mean, people should should not be forced to, uh, you know, do it if they don't want to, but... Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 actually very it's it's a really interesting point you bring up, and I know we have got to wrap it up, but it is something. No, that it's fine. I've Go. never let's yeah, yeah, but I've never really been asked that question. Like, I don't think anyone's really kind of gone specifically. You know, how do you feel as a woman in this male-dominated industry, or you know, yeah. how do you feel when you're you know? Because I think I believe that many people who know me and do know about my career in Australia especially yeah have never thought that I was you know um there was any any kind of backlash against my gender if anything 
it was yeah. my age and I didn't think it was going to be my age, but it did come up at a club where I was DJing and then I received a message as I was DJing and they said, your friends are here. We don't want to let them in because they're not the demographic that we're looking for in the club. We would really only like under 25s here. They know how <laughs> old I am. Right. You know, and it was just, I never experienced anything like it. I never had any kind of problem being a woman DJ, but now being an older woman, <laughs> even right. though I'm not, like I'm pretty young, but no, I act very of course. young. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit. Wow. That, I never thought that would happen. So that right. definitely creeped in for a second, but was shut down very quick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a good way to handle it. But but yeah. but it is that's something, you know, it's all these are things we deal with. I mean, in the entertainment industry as a whole. I mean, just like you said with actors and um all of that is that's age is just something that's an issue with with all that stuff, I think. Um and and then and all the other things we were discussing too, you know, being a woman and um uh, being mm. gay and like there's so many factors to it you know and things that probably i can't understand but i try to with this show or at least shine light on it for other people that can continue the conversation and try to and you know what's great about this too to be to be honest as well is that you're you're interviewing somebody that is not really that known in the States, you know, and you're giving yeah. somebody like me that platform because you, you've you seen me or you've believed in me. So, yeah. you know, those kind of, those kind of you know, um, open arms are like so beautiful to be accepted by because, you know, I mean, I've had such a beautiful full career down under in Australia and I've always wanted to get overseas and do what I do down under there. And I yeah. feel like through COVID, I've been able to do it. I would never have been put on a lineup with Z Trip or Jazzy Jeff or, you know, Melody, any of those guys in America. Yes, yeah, sure, here, but in America, you know what I mean? So thank you. Right. Yes. Thanks. For I that. mean, I, of course it's, uh, you don't have, you know, yes, you're welcome, but it's, uh, <laughs> it was, it was meant to be, this was meant to happen no matter what. Dumb. And I'm excited for people to learn about you, your personality, your streams, your career, what you've done and what you're going to do. Um, I think it's just, you know, something to be proud of. And also I just, I know that you're going to keep doing amazing, great things and inspirational things. And I've learned from you as well. So I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show and just having this conversation with me and taking the time and just being yourself. I think you're just a great example of someone that um, is themselves. They lean into it and there is a place for every human on this earth to be 100%. themselves and not be worried about what everyone else thinks. And, and you know, just uh, don't be so caught up in your own ego and all that stuff. You know, just we're all humans that are here to have, you know, good interactions with each other, hopefully. So, yeah. <laughs> True. Well, thanks so much, Spider. You're the man. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yo, Mafia. Yo, Maria. Um, shout to the police. Yasu man. Maria. Yasu Maria. <laughs> Yasu Maria. Um, Yasu Maria. Yo, the, this was great. I this was I had so much fun talking to you. So I will uh, we will we will continue the conversation off podcast and talk about all the other things we discussed. And um, oh, where can people find you? Uh, do a little promotion for your site sure. or your different things. I'm probably the most active on Instagram, so yo mafia underscore, um, and then Facebook. No, no one goes to Facebook anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just Instagram probably, and then my website yomafia.com.au, which I'll be switching up again very soon. But yeah, hit me at Insta, DM me, let's have a laugh, let's have some fun. 
Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on and, uh, I will talk to you soon. Cheers, buddy. All right. Peace. Okay, that was so much fun. Thank you again to Yo Mafia coming on the show. We got to hear that Australian perspective. We got to hear about the Bogans frothing and all the really cool things from there. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Let me know, like I said, if there's any topics you want uh, talked about on the show, any guests you want on the show, just keep in touch with me. Hit me on Instagram at DJ Spider, DJ S P I D E R. My DMs are open. Or if you're a Twitter type person, I'm on there, D E E J A Y S P I D E R. Some jerk has my uh, DJ Spider tag. If you guys know anybody at Twitter, uh, tell them to give it to me. Thank you guys for listening. I, I appreciate it every week. We will be back next week. The 20 Podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. So join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider. 